Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the Bates Motel discussing the 1960 horror classic, Psycho. This film was directed by Alfred Hitchcock from a screenplay by Joseph Stefano based on the novel of the same name by Robert Block. Psycho has attained a status in horror and filmmaking in general, which very few films can stake claim to. Often recognized as a proto-slasher, if not one of the very first slasher films ever made, its influence is palpable in many other horror classics as well as many of our modern favorites. With its artful direction, incredible performances, memorable characters, bold editing, iconic score, and surprising twist ending, this film is widely considered the gold standard of suspense and has firmly cemented its place in pop culture and film history. This film was suggested to us by friends of the show, our mom, Nisa Hunter, and Kristen Lofton. Thank you both so much for your support and the suggestion. So, Psycho, what were your first impressions on the film? I had never seen this ever. Period. At all. I've seen the shower scene, of course, because that's all anybody ever shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was okay. I mean, look, I'll be up front at the beginning. I didn't enjoy this as much as I did watching Birds. Okay. So for me, Birds was more, I guess, fun. Uh Or it was just a better watch for me. Uh, This was, I guess, I don't want to say it's not my taste, but I, I didn't, I don't know. It just didn't really, it didn't do it for me. Well, Birds starts out as a flat comedy. It no, does. yeah. So I, I guess that's why I, I was like, oh, this is fine. I yeah. had it pegged wrong because I thought you would you like did, this more. You, you did tell me, but yeah. I uh, I was talking to your brother this morning and uh, I think this is just a, a crime drama. Like, I, I, it's weird to me. I'm like, I don't see anything scary about this. This is terrible. I mean, I, I disagree. Yeah, I, I, look, very much. It's, it's a, it, there's a issue so he it's is not like i don't know well i mean we'll get into it when we get into it but yeah. you know what i mean it's An not an issue well if i say anything else it's no, like yeah. I'm giving yeah, yeah. It, you know but i just don't I, I don't know it didn't feel i think that i got the reverse effect from here i didn't feel i felt bad for who we were supposed to hate oh no absolutely i agree with that okay for sure. yeah there's yeah. a lot of conflicting yeah. Yeah. yeah all right all right um, I love this movie. Like you said, I think it's pretty much the gold standard. And at the time, this being in 1960, mm-hmm. I'm like, God, like he was doing that shit. Right. Yeah. He, and pissing people off. Pissing people <laughs> off. But I did read the book. Me too. Or I listened to it. Mm-hmm. It's really short. If y'all haven't. Really? It's like for free on YouTube. It's like five hours. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. It's very, very short. Um, But there were changes made and I mm-hmm. think every change improved upon the story. Right. Cause Norman Bates is like a creepy, you know, chubby balding man in his forties. Right. And so I think, and we'll get into it more, but the casting of Anthony Perkins really changes your perception mm-hmm. of him. And I mean, it's just everything that Alfred Hitchcock did was an improvement. Right. And, um, I did, and I, I don't know why I did this to myself, but I did watch a little bit of the Gus Van Zant. <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that I to yourself? I understood the assignment. Uh-huh. I was looking at mm-hmm. every angle. I'm going to read the book. I'm watching right. the 
Um, which I have seen the remake before numerous times for some reason. I think I've seen it once. But, that was it. Yeah, but it's been a really long time and uh, I don't really know why they did that. <laughs> 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 I feel bad for Vince Vaughn. We were yeah. talking about it this morning. Yeah, I feel he like... He didn't deserve all that. No. Everyone deserved better. Yeah. 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 But I really love this movie. I will say I like it better than The Birds. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um. But Alfred Hitchcock, I read, I don't know if you can find it anywhere. Maybe you know, T, but I read that the trailer for this movie didn't have any visuals. It was Alfred Hitchcock talking for six and a half minutes. Yeah, God, dude. Damn. I yeah. I don't want to watch it no more. <laughs> I'm all right. It's literally him just walking around the set and he's like, and here, oh, I I can't tell you what happened here. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah. cool. Then don't. <laughs> then why are you no, here? No, <laughs> but that... um he did that and then there were rules at the movie theaters mm -hmm. that they wouldn't be allowed to show the film if they let anybody in after it started you were not allowed in late right and i mean just like back in the day like alfred hitchcock and like william castle they knew how to fucking market promote and right, market right. like it's just i kind of wish i mean i don't wish i was back then because i wouldn't do very well but yeah. i wish <laughs> i wish we'd have worries we would, <laughs> we'd, we'd be in trouble um i wish that we had a modern day equivalent of mm -hmm. going that extra mile of do i even really want to go like i yeah. mean just that i just think it's very very cool and in 1960 i'm sure it blew everybody's tits off. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely the thing was is that it was unlike anything they had really seen before yeah a lot of modern film scholars mm -hmm. consider this to be the first slasher film ever made right at, at least the first <laughs> how is that not He's true like, i'm pretty sure it was chucky yeah, yeah well look uh, again like i said and we talked about it earlier there's and i get it it's old but this movie's very tame oh it is. No, it's, it is. it's so i guess that's to me too why it kind of like is weird to me because when it's like well these were the it's like no are you where did you see this because i didn't it's well, like you gotta, but gotta then again so i'm run. spoiled from Halloween or yeah. Chucky or whatever and that's to me when you talk about a slasher that's a slasher right right what I'm, we're seeing here is like oh man but in like, all in all fairness I think without this film there wouldn't be Halloween right you, you gotta know? crawl before you there's can run. yeah I mean I mean, as long as they're still Chucky and Freddy, yeah, but eventually <laughs> yeah. they're still here as long as they're still here it's all right. I mean there's some angles that they use that are basically like standard slasher mm -hmm. fare especially now like there's one angle uh, the raising of a knife and i'm like that's in yeah. scream that's in like yeah. every single yeah. thing yeah. ever but no surprise i fucking love this movie yeah it, and not just as a piece of horror history i think it's genuinely one of the best films ever made mm -hmm. i remember we watched it as a kid i liked it then but i feel like i understand and appreciate it more as an adult for sure. I almost wish that I could watch it fresh now. Yes. Mm. Because you already know, like everybody already knows we're tiptoeing around yeah. spoilers, but y'all know what right, the twist it's is. Old, yeah. 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 Everybody like this is like we said about Poltergeist. Yeah. Um, The Omen. Basically, the big twist, even if you've never seen this film. Right. You've seen this film. For sure. Yeah. It's just been it's parodied. So and Yeah. 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 <laughs> But I know this is one of mom's favorites as well. So I'm glad that she suggested it. Mm -hmm. To me, I feel like we didn't watch this as much as we watched a Halloween or a Scream growing up. Right. But I did want to point out because I had an abnormal psychology class whenever I was in college. Mm -hmm. And we had to pick one character and one film to do a study on to see the accuracy of the portrayal of mental health. 
and I <laughs> I wore down my entire group so we could do psycho. <laughs> <laughs> like, They're like fine fuck dude, nobody else wanted to do psycho but i don't know how i strong armed them into it but i'm very glad do I you did. remember what they w- were trying to do well, instead they, they wanted to do the good doctor and stuff like that but i don't even really know what the fuck that is <laughs> like i'm not so doing was the like, was like yeah, yeah not that though <laughs> psycho is fine and then they all agreed and then uh they did it well i mean I had just wanted to point out because I had forgotten when I was talking about the book earlier. Mm-hmm. I read that Alfred Hitchcock anonymously bought the rights for nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and then when he was out, anytime he saw it, he mm. would buy it so that people couldn't buy it and spoil the ending by reading it. It's <laughs> what? honestly genius, I know, <laughs> and something you could never do today. Absolutely yeah. not. Like you're gonna break every Kindle you see. But, but I'm like, do is people that- still have Kindles? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Is that fucked up but i mean robert block is still getting paid yeah like i don't know i was like i feel like this is a it's like a slippery slope here i think it's about control yeah. <laughs> i did want to point out i saw something on a making of documentary which i will cite a lot mm-hmm. just for the record that's where i got mm-hmm. a lot of my info but they said that the critics didn't like it at first psycho mm-hmm. i know it's kind of a thing that happens a lot with the horror classics yeah, yeah. said it about the thing all this yeah. stuff but they had a different reason why they thought they didn't like it is that the critics were used to getting this early access to the film mm-hmm. so they could review it and then put it out there. Right. And like you had said, he was really trying to keep it a secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there were no early screenings for Psycho. Yeah. And so they said they had to watch it with the regular folk. Uh, <laughs> and so they're like, this film fucking yeah. sucks. Oh, <laughs> it stinks in here. <laughs> <laughs> Peasants, get out, trash. That's a reason to give the movie a shitty review. <laughs> Now, before we interrupt this film in the shower, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's go a little mad. So the film begins with a fantastic opening title sequence and the iconic score from Bernard Herrmann. So... We have talked about Bernard Herrmann a few times. And most recently was The Birds. Because mm-hmm. yeah. he was like the sound consultant. Yeah. Because there's really no music in there, just bird yeah. noises. <laughs> and that's now, making... now, now, now. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, as I was singing this, I was like, where are the kids singing this? I was like, you weren't singing anything. <laughs> as I was watching this, I was like, you know what would break the tension? Those, Those kids, kids. the birds. <laughs> now, now, now. It's like, just give them a new song every film. <laughs> But according to Film Independent, Hitchcock said that 33% of the success of Psycho Mm -hmm. can be attributed to the score. Okay. It's a lot. (laughs) It It is is a lot. lot. I I read that and I felt that 33 was a weird... Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's like 33 and a third. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Scott Snyder on the map. (laughs) Because Bernard Herrmann knows. (laughs) (laughs) But... I thought it was very interesting because this is way low budget compared to other Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. He actually, he filmed it in black and white. Mm-hmm. He used crew from Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Right. Like he cut costs everywhere he could. Damn. But somehow Herman was paid double his rate for the <laughs> score. Of course he was. <laughs> well, it's the 33%. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, 33 to 30%. Yeah. We, we literally paid him 33%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he got the number. It's sticking in his craw. It, it goes hard. It does. No, it does. It does. It does. He called it his black and white score because it's only string instruments. Right. But you don't, I feel like you don't need anything else. 
No, it works like that. Yeah, no, it works like that. I think it's pretty perfect and like jarring and yes. kind of like something bad is about to happen. Yeah, that's what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, nothing good. Is no, that. when you hear With that, that music yeah, in the it's like no. no. <laughs> See, when I was in high school, we used to always listen to. Uh, the Busta Rhymes that samples Oh, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. So hearing it, I was like, all right. So you just start rapping over yeah, it? Yeah, like, oh, man, when is he going to yeah. come in? I was like, where's Busta? I was like, what's happening? He's in Resurrection. Yeah. He's not in the Dance. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> he'll, 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 he'll make an appearance, <laughs> yeah. But the designer of the opening titles with the bars coming in and out, which is really innovative for the time, was, and I know it's going to make you think of Seinfeld, mm-hmm. he was named Saul Bass. <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Salman Rushdie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was Salman Rushdie. But he also designed the poster for The Shining, among other things. Oh, shit. Like, this dude is pretty prolific. All right. But according to Art of the Title, he was paid for this sequence alone $21,000. In 1960 money? Yeah, well, wait, maybe not he was paid. (laughs) The budget is 1960 money, but the budget for the title sequence was $21,000. God damn. damn. Yeah, and it, I mean, from today's standards, it looks very simplistic. And you're like, I can do this with PowerPoint. (laughs) (laughs) But then it's like unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the way that the letters move in and out. And right, right. It's just fantastic. It looks good. Yeah. It does look good. And I also feel like it could be symbolic for some stuff exactly. that comes mm-hmm. later. Very true. I, that is a very good point. I wonder if that was on purpose. I would hope so. Because if so, then you're setting the tone for everything. Yeah. Right, right. Subconsciously. Yeah. Up top. Yeah. Submersion. Sub- <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Hitchcock made me laugh, though, because, of course, he had to be himself. Mm. And he was looking at all these other B movies at the time that were made for very cheap. Right. And were turning ridiculous profits at the box office. And they weren't, you know, anything fantastic. Mm-hmm. But he was like, well, what if somebody made a black and white horror film, but made it good? God <laughs> damn. And that was... That Come was, on, Hitch. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but what if we made it good? <laughs> also, he financed it himself. Because oh, Par- all right. Paramount was like, this is gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't want anything to do with it. They even made him film at the Universal Backlot instead of God Paramount. Damn. That's really weird because I know uh, you've mentioned that before that I guess at the time they thought this was a lot. Yeah. 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 <sighs> and there were cuts made because they're like, that's too much. I, I don't see that at all. But <laughs> again, I'm looking through 80 slashers lens. Of course. And uh, lenses but i mean it's like, just it's like what How'd like you guys? where's that claymation monster yeah, shaking like, the bed yeah. <laughs> right like what like, the fuck I, I don't see belial anymore. we, <laughs> yeah, we so. all want more of that <laughs> <laughs> i think we're all in agreement so if he showed up in this film jp <laughs> oh it's, 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 a a <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's what i was waiting there for. we go but we get the title alfred hitchcock's psycho followed by the rest of the opening credits we then fade into a shot of several tall buildings in black and white we get on-screen text reading, Phoenix, Arizona, Friday, December the 11th, 2.43 p.m. Is this an episode of Sunny? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I was like, why do I need to know that? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? So specific. Very specific. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, I started writing my script on December the 11th. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. We <laughs> always do weird <laughs> shit like that. I don't understand. I do think that it's interesting that we're beginning this motif of birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Phoenix yeah. is a bird. Yeah. I don't think it's a real is bird. It bird? <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind it's of a bird. It's a magical bird. <laughs> it's a fire bird. Uh, yeah. But we pan across the Phoenix skyline before settling in on a hotel window, peeking just under the blinds and into the room. 
I read that Hitchcock wanted to do like a helicopter shot going directly into the room window. Yeah. But they just did not have the. That's a lot, yeah. man. Yeah. But, I mean, you that just goes to show what a visionary he was. Yeah. yeah. That like the technology literally didn't exist, but he's like, this is what I want for yeah. the shot. You uh-huh. know. He's like, someday there'll be a drone. <laughs> okay, Al. Yeah, whatever, man. Whatever, Hitch. And it's it's so funny to me because with a drone, you could do this shot in like five minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now? But back then, they're like, we have to do these pans and cuts. Yeah. yeah. We have no choice. But in the hotel room, we find Marion Crane, played by Janet Lee, lying in bed in white undergarments. Now, of course, Janet Lee is the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first of many Halloween For sure. Things right. yeah. taken from this. Um, you were saying, John Paul, about how this was so tame and mm-hmm. you can't believe that they were reacting that right. way in, in 1960. I guess I'm on the opposite side of the coin because I was like, she's in her underwear. It's 1960. But th- like, well, I was like, I, I did bring, <laughs> I did bring that up to your sister when I seen it. I was like, well, I thought this was 1960 and women weren't allowed to do that back then. Why are you? Women weren't allowed to have breasts in 1960. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, which is stupid. Of course, no, it's insane. It's like. I hope this isn't why they were like, this is too gross. This is well, too it much. Well, was, it was part of it. It's it's a woman yeah. in a bra, dude. I know. Like, a, you, a pointy you, bra. You I have, love those 1960 <laughs> yeah. pointy bras. It's like, I'm sure you're married and you have a wife. Uh-huh. You might have a daughter. You Like, this is going to happen, it's, dude. It's I don't understand I've what, never seen her naked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we sleep in two separate yeah, right. beds. I've seen the ankle. And yeah. that's it. And, and that's it was it, too much. And that was enough for me. The thing is, though, is that Hitchcock always kind of had this thing about, I don't want to say teasing the censors, right. but kind of giving the finger to them. Well, good. I remember, uh, I can't remember which film it was, but I remember seeing an old documentary. Mm-hmm. It might have been the one where they talked about the rating system. This film is okay. not yet rated. Oh, it's infuriating. Um, whenever Hitchcock was starting out in Hollywood, mm-hmm. one of the rules that they had is that people could not kiss on screen for more than two seconds. And so what he did was he had his characters kiss like 50 times. Right. Just one second at a time. Uh, and so he's not he's breaking the rules. Yeah, he gets away with it. Yeah. So I was like, that's pretty that, good. Yeah. So, I mean, this well, is just more of him pushing right. that envelope. I mean, stuff like that. It's got, you would hope it would make them sit back and be like, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, why Why is that a rule? You would hope. It's very ridiculous. Yeah. It's insane. I just, I think too, like when we do these old movies and you come with the trivia and you kind of, you know what I mean? When you kind of realize that it's like, I know a lot of times we're like, oh man, I bet the 60s and 70s were kick ass, you do <laughs> yeah. drugs and do whatever. But then like, you really look at it. You really want me to be upset about a woman in a bra. Apparently. You want me to be mad because the lady's driving a car or because she's yeah. got an opinion. That's fucking stupid. It is. You it's again, bananas. you have a wife, you probably have a daughter. I don't get it. I, like, why would you want anyone to treat them that way or think, you know what I mean? Oh, she can't say anything. Shut up. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, dude, she's Shut a up. person. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? If she wants to be in her bra, let her be in her fucking bra. Why yeah. is that? And why is that like, <gasps> we got to censor that. I don't. <laughs> As it continues to me, it makes the scene better. Right. Because there's this intimacy there. Comfortability. That yeah. wouldn't be there if she was just hanging well, out in her work clothes. Yeah, I, w- that I was going to say, no, you're right. Because if she wasn't that comfortable around the other person, then yeah. you don't feel that connection. Period. It's just, uh, it's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, it when you really think about history and the fact that we're like coming up on this like free love movement right. and stuff like that it's just like it's so weird mm-hmm. the parallels oh, yeah. of what was happening on the streets and what you're trying to portray on yeah. tv like <laughs> we were still in separate beds on tv yeah like it's yeah, just it's, just, I, it's, it's I don't know. It's mind-boggling almost. I think what it is is anytime 
there's a shift to the culture one way, mm-hmm. it swings the a other hard, way. Yeah. A yeah. hard left. Because yeah. they're like, I'm tired of fucking Nancy Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> the throat the goat. The throat goat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways... <laughs> Standing at the side of the bed is a shirtless Sam Loomis, played by John Gavin. Now, he gets to blast nips. Mm-hmm. Does, That's yeah. fine. He does. We, they didn't make him wear a pointy yeah. bra. No. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, this is where John Carpenter and Deborah Hill got the name for Dr. Samuel Loomis in Halloween. Yeah, uh, okay. There's actually a very fun fan theory that I'm going to talk about at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. But and Billy Loomis. Yes. Yeah. Also Loomis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another Loomis. <laughs> But after remarking that she barely touched her lunch and getting a shot of a rather sad sandwich on the nightstand. That better not be my lunch after we got done fucking dude. Don't, don't. That was a sad ass sandwich. You're offended. And it was all wrapped and just like. Women weren't allowed to fuck or eat. It's What the fuck? I'm pretty sure that the the side of the sandwich was a frown. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, you're right. I didn't eat that. But Marion says that she should get back to the office as to not upset her boss. Sam counters, saying that she should take the rest of the afternoon off. As he sits on the bed with her, they begin to kiss. Through some very excellent dialogue, we learn that they're not married, and to the chagrin of Marion, are forced to meet in secret when he breezes into town on business, but this will be the last time. Marion breaks away from Sam to get dressed, and Sam tries to meet her halfway. Next time he's in town, they can meet for lunch in public public yeah so is this sneaking around and stuff just because of like societal i think judgment and opinion because they're not married yeah because they're not married they're having sex yeah yeah so but they're, well, they're not having single. sex in a restaurant i don't yeah i, I don't well it doesn't make any <laughs> sense because it's not like she he's cheating they're yeah, like we well, cannot control what, ourselves yeah, that's what confused <laughs> me yeah. no we'll bang you in a restaurant yeah. <laughs> you can't have sex in a restaurant unless you're married and i did yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Is there, oh, are you guys? <laughs> Where's All the right. marriage yeah. license? But Marion says that they can have a respectable dinner at her house with her sister and her mother's picture on the mantle. Sam's like, after dinner though, yeah. can we, we fucking, send right? your sister? <laughs> he says, turn. He said, send your sister to the movies and turn your mom's picture around. <laughs> wow. I cannot have those eyes on me. Yeah. I get performance anxiety. <laughs> but he is promptly scolded and Sam reluctantly agrees to a non-sexy dinner. He says he just wants to see her no matter the circumstances or respectability. She tells him that he makes respectability sound disrespectful. Now, this is what I'm talking about with the dialogue flowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, it's really good. I I've, I don't remember which. It might have even been the birds where I said that it feels like it's poetry. Right. Going in and out of these actors lines. Yeah. Taking mm-hmm. bits and pieces and responding to certain things and making these little quips. Right. I just love it. I live for this shit. I know we've already kind of been talking about the 60s, but I have in my notes that I appreciate that it is 1960 and she seems like she's kind of in control uh-huh. when it comes to the trajectory of the relationship right, or right. kind of what's happening or what's going to happen. She's very um like, no, nah, we're, get- we're doing this right. I well, mean- I but, mean, he likes her, obviously, yeah. and he doesn't want to be disrespectful. Right. So it's not like he's just trying to fuck her and then be like, all right, peace. Like, he <laughs> right. wants to have a relationship with her. No, but I'm I'm just stereotypical depictions of a 1960s boyfriend or no, husband. I know. Uh-huh. I'm calling the shots. If yeah. I want us to meet in a hotel room, then that's all we're doing. Yeah. But there is one thing that is happening, though, is that she doesn't feel in control. Right. Right. And so it's kind of difficult because they both seemingly want the same things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how do we get it? Right. 
But he holds her from behind and tells her that he's all for respectability. And he begins to kiss her neck. But he says that if he can hold her and touch her as simply as this, he won't mind anything else. It's worth the work. But he pulls away, saying that he's tired of sweating for people who aren't there. Sweating to pay off his deceased father's debts, paying alimony to his ex-wife all the way across the world. Marion says that she pays too, meeting in hotel rooms, which again, I think Sam forgets that. Yeah. yeah. But he says in a couple years, his debts will be paid. And when his ex remarries, the alimony will stop. Marion says that she hasn't even been married once, but then it hits her. And she says, Sam, let's get married. And they passionately kiss. Sam brushes it off, though, saying that if they do, they'll live poorly, sarcastically offering that she can lick the stamps when he sends his alimony. (laughs) (laughs) Sam's like, bitch, I am broke. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what part. I'm living in the back of a hardware store in a van (laughs) down Down by by the river. (laughs) He's trying to tell her. He is. (laughs) This part made me very sad because she tells him full of love and without hesitation, I'll lick the stamps. Well, I mean, you she know just wants that, to be with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the mood lightens up when they joke about her finding someone more available, and then they part company. Marion running late, and Sam having a plane to catch. But Marion makes her way back to work, passing a man standing outside wearing a cowboy hat in the street. <laughs> <laughs> this is Alfred Hitchcock in a cameo. Of course. Yeah. I read that he said he wanted to get his cameo out of the way early because he knew that people were going to be looking for him. Yeah. Yeah. He just wanted them to pay attention to the movie. <laughs> well, if shit pops off and then he's just like, yeah. I'd like Hell- a room. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come, that's yeah. I, I'm taken out of it completely. <laughs> that would kind of fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> we're going to cut that scene. <laughs> but Marion asks her coworker, Caroline, played by Pat Hitchcock, if their boss is back from lunch. And yes, that is Alfred Hitchcock's daughter. Right. Oh, wow. All right. Luckily for her, the boss is still out on a business lunch with an oil tycoon. Marion holds her head, and when asked if she has a headache, she says, it'll pass. Headaches are like resolutions. You forget them as soon as they stop hurting. It's a really good line. Yeah. I want to shake the screenwriter's hand. (laughs) (laughs) But Caroline offers her some goddamn tranquilizers that she's had stashed in her purse since her wedding day. But Marion, now applying lipstick, declines and asks if she's missed any calls. Um, am I the only one wondering why she needed tranquilizers on her wedding day? <laughs> no, I don't. I just want to talk to her for a minute. Like, I just, are you okay? Well, did she say she got no. them from her mom's doctor? For, yeah. On her wedding, for her wedding. All of this is bad. <laughs> I'm very confused. Well, maybe she likes to have a little fun. I, I mean, I hope it was for fun. Take That's all one I'm and saying. try to fight it and stay away. <laughs> Can shit. you make it through the vows? Yeah. yeah. God damn. <laughs> it's a, it's a game now. Yeah. <laughs> But outside of calls from Caroline's husband and his mother, Marion actually missed a call from her sister, who says that she'll be in Tucson all day doing some buying. Now, for me, Caroline's husband called, mm-hmm. and then her mother-in-law called to ask if her husband had called. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we're already getting a hint at an overbearing mother. Right. Okay, that's that's good. Because I was like, what is going on in this woman's life? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm concerned. It, yeah. it feels uncomfortable. It does. She's like, and I need drinks and <laughs> I need them now. <laughs> See, she's got them for a reason. It's <laughs> fucked up. But in walks George Lowry, Marion's boss played by Vaughn Taylor and Tom Cassidy, the oil man played by Frank Albertson. Cassidy's like, it's hotter than fresh milk in here. I'm like, calm down, Dr. Phil. I, I was very confused. <laughs> I don't even know what that's about. 
He was like, when you're milking the cow? Yeah, like, like immediately? When Who it drinks it then? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know either. I still want to know who the first motherfucker was that was like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to try it. <laughs> We're hungry as shit. <laughs> this shit is for free. Yeah. We always have a cow. <laughs> but it appears that Cassidy has made a deal with Lowry on some property because he says that the boss should get some AC in here because he can definitely afford it after today. But as Marion retrieves the deed for the property, Cassidy laments the fact that his daughter is getting married tomorrow. He even shows off a picture of his daughter, who is 18 years old. But he doles out a life lesson. You know what he does about unhappiness? He buys it off. Almost flirtatiously, he asks if Marion is unhappy, but then immediately pivots. Because I don't think that he, she's biting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I could be a little unhappy. Yeah. If, We're all a little unhappy. that's the cure for unhappiness. Yeah. I was laughing at him because he's like, we're a couple oil men from Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's itching like a hound (laughs) to give you something you want. But this property he's buying is a house for his daughter, a wedding present for $40,000 cash. I did. I went online Mm -hmm. because I was like, what is that in 2021 money? Okay. $40,000 in 2021 Mm -hmm. would be $365,605.41. But they want us to buy our own houses now, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And I just got curious. Minimum wage was a dollar back then. But how much was that dollar? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> well, now minimum wage is only seven twenty-five. Yeah, but fucking so like, forty thousand. Yeah, forty thousand yeah. is almost four hundred thousand. It's just like the it world. The economy's in shambles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Long story short, I it, and he's just waving around this money. Yeah. yeah. He whips it out and he's just he's not fanning himself yeah. with it. I mean, he's like might as well. Practically, yeah, I got the vapors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Caroline says, "I declare." Cassidy says that he doesn't, which is how he gets to keep it, which is another great line. Yeah. (laughs) But this large cash transaction makes Lowry very uneasy. And as Cassidy dips into his air conditioned office for a promised drink, Lowry tells Marion to take the $40,000 to the safe deposit box in the bank and they'll just have him write a check on Monday. It's just so weird to me that the way that that dude was flexing Mm -hmm. and the fact that what did he say? I never carry around more than I can afford to lose. Yeah. Like, what are you? He's. What are you doing? <laughs> I think he's trying to pour it on thick. Yeah. I mean, for Mary. But Lowry closes a pretty neat, like, sliding door. Yeah. Yeah. That looked like a patio. It does look like a patio. <laughs> but Caroline pops up immediately to check out the cash. She's like, Cassidy was flirting with you. He must have noticed my wedding ring. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Like, yeah. For sure, he did. But Marion takes the cash out of Caroline's hand because she does pick it up. Yeah. And she wraps it and places it in her pristine white purse. She then brings the copies of the paperwork to Lowry and Cassidy, but asks if she can go home early since she has a headache. Cassidy gives her permission, saying that (laughs) he and Lowry are about to get wasted. Why are all Southern, like, why are, why are they all the same? Why are they all depicted the same? It's just an easy yeah. stereotype. He's literally like the Southern guy on The Simpsons. Yeah. Like, it's, it's yeah, all he the is. same character. Yeah. He really is. Well, He's just missing shooting his guns in the air. Yeah. They, she does, he does that after she leaves. <laughs> but he tells her that what she needs is a trip to Vegas. He's still not giving up. Lowry gives her the okay, but he makes sure that she's okay before she heads out. Caroline asks one last time if she wants one of those sweet, sweet drinks. (laughs) But Marion says that you can't buy off unhappiness with pills and tells Caroline she's heading to the bank. Mm. Right? I know a few people who would disagree. 
She's what like, pills? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you sure you don't want to get fucked up real quick? <laughs> it's like the day's done. We're, yeah, right. we're going home for the weekend, man. He's getting drunk in there. <laughs> but a lot of things have happened here. Cassidy kind of unknowingly has planted an idea about, you know, his daughter's wedding, mm-hmm. her being so young, the idea that money can solve problems. And of course, literally handing Marion $40,000. Right. Yeah. Well, in the novel, Marion is 27 years old. Mm-hmm. And so she keeps, it's like at 27, it's like, okay, fuck you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what am I, just dust? <laughs> like, I Jesus know. Christ. I was personally offended. <laughs> I'm like, damn. I'm like, we're all trying to work it out, okay? <laughs> we're all on our own timeline. <laughs> we don't get, all get oil tycoons yeah, handing us <laughs> 40 grand. <laughs> But at Marion's house, we see her now wearing black undergarments, the $40,000 resting in an envelope on her bed. The camera pants from the cash to a packed suitcase as Marion continues getting changed. In her defense, he mm. did say he could afford to lose it. He did. He did, but he was just trying to get her to sleep with them. Well, then I don't he, really... he shouldn't have said it. I take things literally. Oh. <laughs> I don't understand sarcasm. I lost it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could afford to lose it, so I lost it. Part No, the way I flirt is by stealing all your money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had a thing here. Just be like, listen, I was walking down the street, and then someone came up and was like, aren't you that dude from Empire? And then they, oh. <laughs> and then they took my money. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that didn't work out well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's foolproof. Uh, so, well, it's definitely a fool. Yeah. <laughs> but she looks at herself in the mirror, then back at the money. She checks her purse, which we see holds paperwork for her car. We cut back and forth between her and the money, and she finally stashes it in a black purse. She snags her suitcase and a coat from her closet, and she's off. Are you going to talk about the color significance? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Whenever she put it in a white purse, right. and she was wearing white, mm-hmm. There were no ill intentions. Yeah. There was right. nothing done wrong. But now that she's decided to steal the money, she's wearing all black. Yeah. She's got a black purse. It's an attempt to show this shift in attitude and behavior. That pointy black bra is like. <laughs> yeah. It was laughing. I saw. <laughs> it was. I don't. Uh, so because she's wearing black, it's bad. It's well, just symbolic. It's symbolic of her change in basically becoming a criminal. He said it's supposed. The white I, was supposed to be. I'm offended by that. I like wearing black clothes. <laughs> well, I <huh>? only, <laughs> yeah, I only wear black. I only wear black, but I'm also a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the next scene, we see Marion driving in her car, imagining surprising Sam at home with the money. As she continues to daydream at a stoplight, she smiles absentmindedly at a passing Mr. Lowry. He does the same, but then stops on the other side of the street, realizing that she's supposed to be at home nursing a headache. I thought he was going to be like Marcellus. I literally <laughs> wrote, is this Pulp Fiction? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, motherfucker. <laughs> then she's got to run him over. Yeah, it's yeah, a whole, it's thing. whole thing. Obviously, Tarantino. Right. For sure. Yeah. But the music grows tense as Marion continues down the road. She drives through the night, shielding her eyes from the headlights of passing motorists, eventually resting her tired eyes. We fade to black, and when we fade back in, we see that it's the next morning, and Marion is parked on the side of the road. B- before you go on, I, I did not enjoy this little driving and the way she was acting like the sun was in her eyes i'm like dude it's raining you're not there's nothing in your eyes no it's the headlights it's the headlights oh okay okay i'm sorry uh the headlights it's not that bright i drive all the time at night it's not like not in 1960 they were super bright back then they're like we haven't fixed this yet lights now i don't know their speed sign was only 50 how fast i mean your lights couldn't have been that bright 
I don't know how the lights are connected to that. <laughs> well, I'm saying you weren't allowed to go that fast. I highly doubt they're going to let you put fucking uh, lighthouse lights on the front of your car. <laughs> the cars in the 60s were like those bikes where you pedal and then the light goes Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's as bright as you're going. Yeah, well. Damn. So just- <laughs> <laughs> they're hauling ass. They're killing it, man. I do not know what I'm talking about. You, can, you show up sweaty everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I got to take a nap. I don't know what we had planned. <laughs> but fuck. <laughs> A police car rides by and noticing her car reverses to park behind her. Out steps a highway patrol officer played by Mort Mills. He approaches Marion's car, finding her fast asleep and knocking on the window to wake her up. Marion rises and finding him peering into her window, immediately attempts to start the car. Be cool. Dude. Dude. <laughs> I laughed out loud. Yeah, right She's away. like, Jesus, yeah. abort, abort. <laughs> why, why are you going to run? Now this dude's like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah now yeah. you're suspicious. Yeah. Before, all you were doing was sleeping I'm, on the yeah, side of the road. I was driving. I didn't want to get into an accident, so I stopped to take a nap. And, like, it's literally not that and her story. Yeah. It, it, totally. Yeah. It's not it, that it's, hard. It's real. She's yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Cheese it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think this just proves how not a criminal she is. Right. She's like, I've never done anything yeah. like this before. I only own white underwear. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go out and buy the black stuff. For today. <laughs> but he stops her and she rolls down the window. In very tight shots of both of them, the officer begins asking questions. I thought the shots really added to the tension of the scene because you feel oh, yeah. like you're in the hot seat. Yeah. Because he's like staring directly. Yeah. And he's got this fucking sunglasses on. Yeah. So you know what he's thinking. Not that you can read someone's thoughts if you can see their eyes, but. You can't? It, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Marion explains to him that she just pulled over to get some rest to avoid an accident. All right. That's good. Yeah. He says that she should have gotten a motel because it would have been a lot safer. Interesting. Right. Yeah. She says that she didn't intend to sleep the whole night, but then asks if she's broken any laws. She learns that she hasn't, so she asks if she's free to go. He asks if there's anything wrong because she's clearly acting like there's something wrong. Oh, yeah. She claims there isn't, except that she's in a hurry and he's taking up her time. Good day. She starts the car. too much, man. She's like, am I I acting like there's something wrong? Yeah. Yeah, 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 you are. are, (laughs) 100% It is all over your face. (laughs) But he asks her to turn the car off again and ask for her license. Marion puts her back to the window quietly removing the stolen $40,000 from her purse to get her license at the bottom. She passes it to him, and he reviews it while stepping over to get her license plate. He returns her license and goes back to his cruiser. Before even knowing for sure that the traffic stop is over, yeah. Marion starts her car and just takes off. <laughs> I was confused. I, was like, was she a, I didn't hear him say you could go. No. Like, what the no. fuck happened? <laughs> and I'm thinking about like any, like I've only been pulled over like once. Right. But they take it back and then they call in a ton of shit. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. They check yeah. you yeah. and yeah. then they come back. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if the 60s are just way different. And he's <laughs> like, well, here's your license. We don't have a computer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but you have a radio. He's like, yeah. it's one oh, of them yeah. women drivers. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah. He's like, this has been weird just enough leave. for me. Yeah. I, I can't wrap my mind around this. <laughs> but the officer follows behind her. We watch as she makes a right for Bakersfield, California, and after what feels like forever, the officer finally takes the right exit towards Gorman, the weight finally lifted a little bit off of Marion. So these were actually filmed off of the studio Mm -hmm. site. These are actually filmed on location. And I remember we talked about on The Birds right. how Hitchcock went out of his way to never film on location. I was going to say, doesn't he hate that? He fucking hates it. He like has good reasons right because there's so much noise on location yeah that you can't account for but also i just feel like he might have just been lazy (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) 
But in Bakersfield, Marion pulls into a used car lot. Purse in hand, she walks around the lot waiting for a salesman. She notices the cars have California license plates contrasting her Arizona plates that the officer took notice of. As she waits, she buys a newspaper and starts flipping through it. Completely distracted by the paper, she doesn't notice that she's been followed all the way to Bakersfield by the highway officer who parks across the street and gets out of the car observing her. Yeah. It's his posture yes. on the car. He's like, uh-uh, bitch. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even has his arms crossed. Yeah, yeah he's just following her now. Yeah. Like, he knew. Oh, yeah. He's like, come on. Well, well, because she's the most suspicious well, yeah. person on the planet. Yeah, she could not have been less convincing. That's literally my next note when she starts talking to the to the car salesman. I'm uh-huh. like, you've been it only gets worse. this whole time. <laughs> it only gets worse. You're just adding to it because he has no reason to. Yeah. Like, good Lord. But this is when California Charlie, yeah. a car salesman played by John Anderson, approaches her. He tells her that he doesn't want any trouble. And she's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way to look chill. But he jokes that the first customer of the day is always trouble, and he's not down for any, so he's going to give her an amazing deal. He offers her coffee, but she's in a hurry. She tells him that she just wants to trade her car in for another one. There's nothing wrong with it. She's just, and he's like, sick at the sight of it? And he says that she can take a look around while his mechanic gives her car the once-over. He's in total salesman mode. Yeah. Yeah. But she does notice the officer across the street, which only makes her more nervous and him more suspicious. I do want to say, I don't know if I'm, you know, up my own ass with this. Mm -hmm. But the shot of the officer, the way that it's framed, is kind of reminiscent to the shot from the classroom window with Michael Myers in his car. Oh. He's got his arms crossed. He does not. (laughs) He's got the sunglasses on. Are you going to turn in that paper? Yeah, he's (laughs) like, hmm. Now, I do know that, yeah, he's like, you better answer a question. (laughs) But I do know that Michael was behind the car in Halloween. He's in front of it. So there's differences. Right. But it's framed like. No, yeah. And as much of a huge fan as Carpenter, like, I could definitely see it. I don't think I'm making stuff. (laughs) And then that car salesman walks into the classroom. Yeah, remember? He's like, you wanted your Arizona plates (laughs) (laughs) off? But Charlie pulls her car into the garage so the mechanic can look at it. And Marion kind of just goes for the first car she sees. Charlie asks if she wants a test drive, but Marion just wants to know how much it'll be if she trades her car in with it. Charlie's like, God damn, you really are in a hurry. But he jokes that someone is after her and she responds with zero humor that nobody's after her. (laughs) (laughs) He tells her that he figures the price after her trade-in will be about $700. $6,200 today. God yeah. damn. Yeah. Expecting her to haggle, she just immediately agrees. His smile disappears, asking if she can prove that the car yeah. that she's trading in is actually hers. Well, what does this look like? It, it, it does look bad. It does look very <laughs> bad. <laughs> really fucking bad. So I just need it real fast. <laughs> like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> I'll take whatever car. I'll pay whatever price. Uh-huh. It's like, what is wrong? She says that she has all the necessary paperwork and then asks to use the restroom. As he walks her to the restroom, he eyes her suspiciously, especially after she looks back at the officer across the street. <laughs> yeah. He's watching everything. Every move. Like, what are you doing? And the thing is, is that Charlie notices the officer too, Yeah, but he still points her to the restroom and she heads in. He's like, Look, I got to make a sale. Yeah. I was going to say he's about to get $700 though. Daddy's got to eat. Yeah. And another car to sell. True. Yeah. yeah. And probably a nicer car because I doubt that she's like, I think he's screwing her on the price. Probably. Right. Well, that's why he's like, well, now you got time to talk about money. And she's like, no, I'll fucking I'll, give yeah. you money. <laughs> I'll give you whatever And then he was like, I'm sorry, what? Because <laughs> you got to screw him a little bit. Yeah. And then, so when they talk you down, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you got to pretend, I got to go talk to my boss exactly. in the office. Yeah. Then you go smoke a cigarette uh-huh. and then you come back. 
But once inside the restroom, Marion gets the paperwork out of her purse. But she also counts out seven hundred dollars from the forty thousand. Smart to not whip out all that cash in front yeah. of fucking. Uh, oh yeah, she's the, not Mr. Cassidy. I was, gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say the way that she's behaving. I'm surprised she had the smarts to not just. That is true. Can you that. take it out of this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is all mine. <laughs> um, I feel like this is a really a uh, moment of a point of no return mm -hmm. because it's like once you start spending yeah. this money you can't just go back and be cute and apologize and say it was a misunderstanding like the money is gone yeah, yeah. and i don't think she has 700 dollars to put back i mean you can try you can like bat be like <laughs> yeah. super cute. that's what i would do well and i also wanted to point this out hitchcock loves his leading ladies to have a strong lash game mm -hmm. yeah he does because they all are like ka-ching with the eyelashes so maybe she could get out of it <laughs> You don't even have to add that sound in on sound design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Opening of cash register or whatever. <laughs> but she stashes the rest of the money back in her purse, heading back outside to meet Charlie. He tells her that he thinks that she should really take it for a test drive just to be sure and just to preserve the reputation of California Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> she declines and he's like, look, it's not that I don't trust you. Yeah. But before he can explain, Marion's like, what's so wrong with being in a hurry and making a decision? Do you think I've stolen my car? Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that I don't trust you, but that cop is aggressively yeah, scary. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just glaring from across yeah, the street. Yeah, it's like he's he's been watching you <laughs> since yes. you got here. Since you pulled <laughs> yeah. in. And I'm sorry. The thing that's so funny to me is that she did not steal this car. No. But I'm starting to believe she stole yeah. this car. <laughs> All signs are pointing to it. Mm -hmm. But Charlie says he doesn't think that and reluctantly takes her into his office. As soon as they head inside, the highway officer hops into his car and drives across the street, parking in the used car lot. He steps out just as Marion and Charlie come out of the office. Marion notices him and rushes to get inside her new car. Charlie opens the door for her and closes it behind her. She immediately tries to speed off, but the mechanic, played by Don Ross, <laughs> pulls up behind her, getting out of her old car and shouting for her to stop. He brings her her coat and suitcase, yeah. <laughs> which she almost left behind in the rush. He puts them in the back seat and she speeds away, leaving behind three very confused and suspicious men. The whole point when you're trying to do something shady or get away with something, you don't want anyone to remember you. No. You're supposed to look super normal, mm -hmm. act super normal. Nobody give you a second look. All of these men are going to remember this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, you just caused an entire scene. Mm -hmm. You are like sweaty and weird and cagey. <laughs> like there's... <laughs> nobody's gonna forget that there is not one moment that is forgettable no. yeah. about what just happened and then you forget your shit like you couldn't even make yeah. a clean getaway you know what if i were her honestly whenever the officer i saw him across the street i think i would just price cars and leave yeah well, this is yeah you know? that's what was odd to me yeah. because like what are you switching cars for he knows everything because that yeah. that cop he looked knows. at your license mm -hmm. he sees the car you have the car you just yeah. traded in and the car you're leaving with and he's standing with the dealer. Like, yeah, what? so it doesn't matter that the license plates say California now, no, not no, no. Arizona, because no. he's watching you drive <laughs> yeah. away. He saw the literal car you yeah. left in. With and you in it. I, yeah. really, I don't understand. <laughs> and even if your boss and, you know, Colonel Moneybags is like, it was Marion Crane. Oh, well, I pulled Marion Crane over yeah. mm -hmm. and I just watched her buy a car with California. But like, none of it, it, no, it just doesn't. None of it's good. Yeah. I do want to point out in that making of documentary, Janet Lee said that 
for her, the desperation of Marion mm-hmm. in these moments, making all these bad decisions, not only obviously is it demonstrating that she is not cut out for this kind yeah. of life, but it's showing that at her, again, this is 1960, I believe she's supposed to be 30 years old in the movie. This is a desperate, this is her words, grasp at life. Well, And so she's like doing everything she can because she's like, I'm 30. I'm in this situation with the hardware store right. gentleman. The fucking job is probably not as pizza as one would hope. I got this 40 grand. It's time. Well, I feel like it was um, because they're just having this conversation that the only thing standing in their way from being together and being happy is money. Mm -hmm. Right. And then literally 10 minutes later, a fortune falls into your lap. It feels in a moment of desperation. I mean, it's it tracks. Yeah. Like I get it. But. I, I will. Some planning, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh my god! I will say that I probably would not steal the money, mm-hmm. but in 1960, I would have stolen. I mean, <laughs> the money. You could get away with shit. In Absolutely, she could have killed everyone cool. in the office. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and then just left and been and fine. Then sent a yeah. freaky note to the police. She yes. would have been fine. She would have been. Wouldn't know. She would have been the Zodiac. Yeah, her <laughs> great great grandchild would do a 23 and Me, and then we catch like, her. Oh, fuck, she's like 80 years old, looking all mad. <laughs> In court. It's Ted Cruz. Yeah. (laughs) But back on the road, Marion imagines a conversation between Charlie and the officer with Charlie remarking how this is the first time a customer has ever strong armed a salesman and pondering if someone is in fact chasing her. The officer asks to look at the paperwork as they remark that she looked like a criminal and it's odd that she paid in cash. Even worse, Marion imagines Mr. Lowry discussing her absence with Marion on Monday morning, involving Marion's sister in their suspicion, as well as Mr. Cassidy. What's interesting to me is that what she's thinking is uh-huh. like a natural progression of right. what... Because like, I have catastrophic thinking, yes. so... <laughs> I mean, my thoughts would not be so grounded in reality. Right. But this is literally what she's hearing. That is what would happen on Monday right, morning right. when she doesn't show up. And then, I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, like that's what's coming after you. Uh-huh. I mean, it makes sense. Now, it gets even worse. And this is where it gets into the way that we think. Right. <laughs> because the sun sets on Marion driving as she imagines Lowry not taking responsibility for the missing cash and Cassidy setting out to track her and vowing to replace any of the missing money with her fine, soft flesh. Yeah, that's how I think. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, they're all going to murder me. <laughs> yeah. so, I got those special dollar or $100 bills that have trackers in them. Uh-huh. Like, fuck! Yeah. Like in, <laughs> that's, that's how I think. In 1960, somehow. Uh-huh. Yeah. They've got chips in them. Yeah. But Cassidy even suggests that she was planning it the whole time, and Lowry, in disbelief, says that he trusted her. Funny side note, according to that making of, is Hitchcock did all the voices on set. Uh, oh, and, <laughs> and they piped in later, and so he, he's like in her ear, fine, soft flesh, <laughs> and she's just like sitting there, yeah. like he just talks like he's on so much Xanax. Like he, I no. know this took so long. That's where his daughter got the tranquilizer. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> right there, my dad's. I, like, yeah, I mean, uh, I got it for my wedding day. Yeah, of course, it, it makes complete sense now. I'm not confused anymore. But this is obviously her guilt talking. Right. Especially when it gets into Lowry being like, I trusted her. (laughs) But it's funny to me because she's like going back and forth in her mind. She's like, and then Lowry will be like. (laughs) (laughs) But like we said, we do the same shit. So I mean, you know. Yeah. But interestingly, and we talked about this a little earlier, JP, she smirked at the fine soft flesh line. Yeah. I I didn't. She's like, come and get (laughs) (laughs) it. Like, I dare your fucking Texan ass. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's why I took your money. Yeah. <laughs> but Ma'am. I mean, maybe even then she was like, okay, now I'm yeah. going to <laughs> <laughs> He's he not going to say, say that. that. But this is when it starts to rain. And even with the wipers on full blast, Marion can't see anything but the headlights of the opposite lane. It just looked really funny. To me. <laughs> she's she like, kept, what the fuck? Because she kept she making her face. Shit. Yeah, like something was in her eyes. And uh-huh. I was like, it's raining. What are you? There's nothing's touching you. I was like, what's happening? Nothing's touching <laughs> you. <laughs> it's just it's just weird because even with the lights, like she did the eye thing where she was like, oh, I can't, you know, yeah. like just squinting into the sun. And I'm like, they're lights. But then even with the rain, I was like, can you just not see? I was like, no, I don't yeah. know. She needs glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Take some of that money and get your eyes right. checked. <laughs> Cassie's like, that's fine with yeah, me. That's, yeah. Please. That's okay. That's yeah. safety. But finally, beaming out into the darkness, she notices a sign that reads, Bates Motel, vacancy. I got goosebumps when I saw the sign. Dude, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but again, about that shitty, soulless piece of shit remake that I would give a zero if we covered it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the sign on that one, they don't use the awesome neon. It's yeah. like a fucking like paper sign. Well, because really? it's, yeah. it's 1998. Yeah, but still. It was a paper year. <laughs> <laughs> Some things are just cool forever. Yeah. yeah. And one of those things is a neon sign. But she pulls in, parking in front of the motel office. She rushes out of her car with her purse in hand and heads inside. When she doesn't find anyone, she stands outside underneath the awning, looking over at a large gothic house on the hill just off the property so according to film school rejects there were two sources of inspiration for the design of this Mm -hmm. house the first one was a painting called the house by the railroad looks exactly like this house but even more so was the original comics of the adams family house Uh, (laughs) hey i love it all right and it looks just like it nice but this house i believe was built on the universal backlot it's been moved since this time, right? but it's still there. Oh, sure. And I think this, as well as the motel, are very popular stops on the little trolley thing they right, do. Right, right. And I want to see them so badly. Oh, yeah, man, that's cool. I just love that they kept some stuff. And just threw it to the side. Yeah, they're like, well, we'll, we'll hold on to yeah. it. But she notices a light on in the upstairs window and the silhouette of a woman walking by. She rushes back to her car to get out of the rain and honks her horn to get that person's attention. We then see Norman Bates, the owner of the motel, played by Anthony Perkins, rush down the stairs from the house into the front of the motel. So like Nay had said at the beginning, this character has changed so much from the novel. And I think that it works so much better because if he looked like he did in the novel you would think this guy's really, really weird. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> like, Yeah, and he acts weirder too. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just um, like a false sense of security almost because right. this is like, he looks very neat. He's mm-hmm. handsome. He's clean. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, um, it's scarier. Right, right. And he's very like bony. Right. Yeah. He's like, yeah he's, no, he's, because uh... it's like almost like it, it gives you like a, like a, like a boy who's outgrown like a right. growth spurt yeah, that's, that's how right. i feel there's also a quirky little thing that he does that i'm sure you're gonna get to <laughs> that was anthony perkins idea for uh-huh. him to do that really kind of doubles down on that boy kind of just a boy doing right. his own thing mm-hmm. but with an umbrella in hand he apologizes to marion for keeping her waiting and invites her inside the office she asks if they have any vacancies, and Norman, leaving through the guest ledger, remarks that they have 12 rooms and 12 vacancies. He then goes into a kind of 
mild complaint about how much business they've lost since the highway moved away. But he says no matter, they'll still keep the lights on and follow all the formalities. He passes the book to Marion as well as a pin, and he watches as she signs in as Marie Samuels, obviously a pseudonym. He doesn't know right. that. But Samuels. Uh, it's cute. Yeah. It would be a little bit of a red flag to me that it's, what, December 12th at this point. Yeah, because she slept. <laughs> yeah. She slept. The last person to check in checked in on April 18th. Well, but his story is legitimate. It yeah. does, but that's a fucking long time. Like that. It's eight months. That's a very long time <laughs> to not have one person check in. Mm-hmm. Like that would that I I would just no. I, it, it is. It's a very long time. But he, like you said, T. I know he has I a mean, story. Yeah. But maybe it's too much true crime or too much horror movies. But <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'll take my chances with that right. cop. I'm sleeping in my car. Well, in in <laughs> 1960, you don't have any podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you so like you're like two radio stations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like one horror film. Okay, so, I yeah. like, <laughs> checks out. He's clean and neat. They moved the highway. <laughs> yeah, I believe yeah. it. But he also asks her to write down the town that she's in from. And looking at the newspaper in her bag, she lies and writes Los Angeles. We watch as Norman browses the keys on the wall, silently deliberating over which room to give her before settling in on cabin number one. That was weird. Very weird. Because it's it's like he reaches for like three. Uh Uh-huh. And then she says Los Angeles and he's like, oh, and then he grabs one. Yeah. It was weird. I thought it was weird. He's like, we got palm trees in the first room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feel like home. There's street tacos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She'll love it. <laughs> but he says that room number one is closer just in case she wants anything. Marion says that all she wants is sleep or maybe something to eat. Mm-hmm. Norman tells her of a diner up the road about 10 miles outside of Fairvale She's very delighted to learn that she's so close to Fairvale and in turn, so close to Sam. Norman offers to get her bags and snags them out of her car, walking her into her room. He turns on the lights and opens the windows, remarking that it's a bit stuffy. Yeah, but it's raining Thank out you. there. It's like, the, yeah, just soak the floor. It's going to get the carpet wet. <laughs> Look, it's a mildew. It's fine. Yeah. It's like nobody fucking comes it, here. Yeah. <laughs> But he tells her of the minor amenities in the room, and we notice paintings of birds on the wall. Again, her last name being Crane. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of birds in this picture. (laughs) (laughs) Hitchcock's got birds on the brain. We already knew that. My next film. (laughs) (laughs) He's even eating chicken. Yeah, he's like, just the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Norman kind of tenses up when he turns on the lights to the bathroom. After being so descriptive of everything in the room, he just says, and uh, over there. Yeah. yeah. She has to say the word bathroom yeah, herself. She's yeah, she's like, you mean the bathroom? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He doesn't do that. <laughs> See, this is the thing. He seems very nice, mm-hmm. almost charming. Yes. Right. And then when they get in the room, he starts to be kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Right. But he tells her to tap on the wall if she needs anything, and she thanks him formally with Mr. Bates, but he introduces himself as Norman. Before he leaves, though, he politely gets her to admit that she has no plans to head to that diner outside of Fairvale and asks her if she would like to have dinner with him up at the house. Nothing fancy, just sandwiches and milk. She agrees, and he says that he'll be back as soon as it's ready and takes off. 
So you said how far are they from the town? I believe it was 10, 15 miles. So why wouldn't you just take it? Like, why wouldn't you just drive there? As soon as he told you that, I would have been like, fuck, I'm super close, dude. I wonder if it's because the officer's conversation. Oh, maybe. Because he had said, he's like, you know, it's a lot safer to stay at a motel. And she's like, well, yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. Also in the book, there's this... um like internal monologue of her going back and forth of how she's even going to tell Sam. Right. Like she's like, I'll say it was an inheritance, but he can't ask my sister. So I'm going to have to keep my sister away yeah. from like, it's, it's very like, so maybe, I mean, I can kind of see her I'll sleep on it and then I'll go in the morning when right, I'm fresh right. and it won't look like, I just grabbed some money and drove <laughs> yeah. all night to be here. You know what I mean? Can I be honest? First of all, totally agree. Yeah. But can I be honest that sleeping on a problem has never helped me in my okay, entire I'm not life? Yeah. Dude, no. <laughs> and if I do fall asleep the second I wake up, I'm like, oh, fuck that problem. Yeah. I still <laughs> so, got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that came from. But I think people with um, mental health that's in decent shape, I think they can just sleep and then think about how they feel in the yeah. morning. I'm happy for them. Yeah. <laughs> but fuck. Good for you. <laughs> Christian Bale, that shit. <laughs> but I will say he does seem a little odd, but it can be excused away with eagerness at having a guest at his motel. It, defi- it definitely can. I mean, and there's something definitely off like mm-hmm. i said especially when he gets to the room yeah yeah but the whole bathroom thing the whole yeah. bathroom thing is really weird but like you said he could be obviously people don't come around here very often and she's got her own shit to think about yeah so maybe she's just like what just like just stop talking and leave because i've got a fortune in my bag <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know <laughs> she's like yeah sandwiches and milk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever man but as soon as he leaves marion looks for a place to hide that stash of cash Finding drawers and shelves in the room insufficient, she grabs the newspaper from her purse and wraps the money up in it, placing it on her nightstand. The silence is then interrupted by the shouts of Norman's mother coming from the house on the hill. She screams that she won't have Norman bringing any woman into their house, basically accusing him of wanting to sleep with Marion. Norman defends himself, but his mother does not want to hear it. She says that he disgusts her and that Marion will not be appeasing her appetite with her food or her son and asks if he'll tell her or if she'll have to. Ma'am. Yeah. Damn. I laughed out are loud. You, I'm like, are you screaming out the window? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's loud as fuck. They're crouched <laughs> under Marion's yeah. window. I don't care if she hears. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I laughed out loud because she says, I refuse to speak of disgusting things because they disgust me. <laughs> <laughs> the logic checks out there. It's almost like a Lucille Bluth yeah, thing to it Like I, it just struck me as hilarious. She doesn't understand the question. Yeah, <laughs> and she will not respond <laughs> will not to respond it. Respond to it. But she asks if he has the guts, and Norman tells her to shut up, leaving the house. But she's like, "You have the guts, boy." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> what you got? What you? Yes. <laughs> no shit. Just <laughs> fucking crossing him in the thing. The house, I think they call it. But in the thing. The funny thing is that I knew about this dynamic before Psycho because of Skinner and his mother on The Simpsons. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And there is a scene like in one of like the earlier Simpsons episodes where he literally is looking up at the Psycho yeah. house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from like the school. Yeah, yeah that's funny. And they're like, we should go. Yeah. <laughs> When he's like, what's that, mother? Yeah, he goes, I'm a grown boy. That sailor suit doesn't fit anymore. (laughs) (laughs) In the novel, I feel like the conversation is much worse. Mm -hmm. She reads him for filth. Right. And it's also interesting to me because the novel starts with Norman. Uh Mm -hmm. And so, 
I mean, this is what? At least half an hour into the film, right? Yeah, about there. And we're just meeting him. Right, But right. in the novel, like, we start with him really getting fucking shit talked by his mom. Like, that's the beginning. Right. So, I mean, yeah, she does not oh. hold back. No, and the other thing that I'm kind of glad they cut out is in Robert Block's Psycho, there's kind of an over-reliance on the word bitch. They say bitch a lot. <laughs> like, I'm like, did I write like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. And and honestly, it kind of gives Norman Bates like almost like incel energy. Yeah, well, and he, for some reason, he's like thinking, or like he has this internal monologue and then he's like, what's the word important no 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 oh impotent it's like oh okay oh yeah. sorry <laughs> i didn't need to know about cool, your cool 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 yeah. cool yeah <laughs> but marion steps out of her room and stands under the awning waiting for norman he rounds the corner with the tray as promised and she says that she has caused him a lot of trouble norman apologizes saying that his mother just isn't herself today when you pretend like you didn't hear uh, I think I, I would. There's no way I couldn't yeah, have heard. Yeah. She's like, man, she fucking dragged your ass in. <laughs> you don't I wouldn't know have went dude. that far. <laughs> no, she's like, so are you going to tell me yeah. or is she? <laughs> Give me that damn sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> let's eat. No, I'm just playing. Let's eat. <laughs> you got to get a thicker skin to hang with me, Norman. And <laughs> she's just biting and chewing. <laughs> <laughs> just laughing with her mouth open. <laughs> But Norman laments, wishing that he could apologize for other people. I there is a lot about Norman that is understandable. Yeah, yeah. like and it's and difficult. Really, really sad because mm-hmm. this is his mother, and she's very what's the word honorary. Yeah. <laughs> sure, okay, yeah, we'll go with we'll go with that. I learned it from that oil man. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we've all felt that we've had people in our family that do or say things that you wish you could apologize for right. them. Yeah. Now I don't wish I could apologize for them because I don't want to waste any of my wishes. Anthony Jerome. Don't tell yeah. anyone. <laughs> but you'd prefer that, you know, it meant something. And I'm sure it does. Right. But Marion tells him that since he went through all the trouble, they might as well eat and invites him into her room. He takes a step forward and then steps back, saying that it would be better and warmer to eat in the office. The vibe is almost like he does, like his mom's watching and he doesn't want his mom to see him going in her room. It's like this mother, I just told her. I'm gonna go tell her. That's it. (laughs) That's what it feels like. It it is like a child trying to avoid trouble. Right. But Marion, kind of confused, closes her room door and just follows him. He leads her into a parlor behind the office and he turns on the lamp and Marion takes notice of various taxidermied birds as well as pictures and paintings. I'm already uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Um, not only because of the taxidermy, but the taxidermy I, I'm I'm not I don't I don't love it. Um <laughs> I went to a friend's house one time to watch Orange is the New Black mm-hmm. and cause she her kid was you know around the kids age and so they were playing and we she's like we'll go she was staying with her parents and she's like we'll go to the den it was like this fucking huge Mm -hmm. house and there was a huge stuffed like deer head on the wall and i was like i don't do we have to watch it (laughs) (laughs) it's like i don't want to be watched while i don't like this what is it that bothers you about it i just the eyes maybe i don't know i don't like it i just i love it (laughs) oh no um Maybe not like real, not stuffed. Real, well, maybe not real animal stuffed, but you know, uh-huh. like statues of them or whatever. I'm okay. It doesn't have uh, to be I real like, feathers I or like real stuffed animals. <laughs> not. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's not what like he meant. I like teddy bears. <laughs> no. Um, the progression of we'll eat at my house. No, let's eat in your room. No, let's eat in the office. No, let's eat in the parlor. 
That's weird. Through the office. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, that's weird. Like us going in the office, I'd already be like, okay, but it's an office. Like I know yeah, people yeah. don't come by here, but somebody could. Why? You said an office two seconds ago, but now it's too officious. So let's go, go in the to, parlor. Yeah. I don't like this. Well, office is the root word. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that just dawning on you that yeah. it's too officious? It's like, damn, I should have known that. Yeah. <laughs> but in let's all fairness, I mean, are you, what are you going to eat on top of the guest ledger? Yeah, the parlor the cool, yeah. is much I nicer. I mean, yeah. but if he would have said, "Let's just go to the parlor," from the beginning, it's the fact that it's like just taking you a little bit further. Like you're comfortable with the office, cool. Uh-huh. Let's take it a little bit further. Yeah. Like it just, but now there's something I don't like about that. But you're also thinking as well. You're like, okay, well, I was eight steps from the exit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I'm sitting down in the back. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know what's back there. I gotta stand up. And then I come here and you got all this freaky stuffed shit. Like I just, I don't know. Uh, what if those Honestly, birds are alive? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> we I've I've seen, <laughs> I've seen another film <laughs> where, <laughs> where Honestly, that happens a lot. I'm not I'm going to I'm going to be 100% off it. Off it. <laughs> I'm going to be officious. <laughs> I'm going to be 100% honest. Okay. Once I found out like you said uh-huh. that Fairview is so close. Right. It's already the rain has already like slowed or yeah, stopped. Yeah, it's starting to slow down. Um once this motherfucker went up to that house and was his oh, mom no, yeah. is screaming at him and uh-huh. I can hear it and I'm 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 bitches and I'm trying to fuck yeah. your son and all like, that. If you use that good peanut yeah. butter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting in my car and I'm driving away. Oh, what did you pay for the room? Like you're fucking rich as fuck now. Yeah. Like eat eat the room payment, get in your car and fucking leave. <laughs> That's me. I'm gone. Oh yeah. I don't like that. I'm you've told me I'm the only one here. Yeah. I'm incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, I don't like any of this. No, it's not good. I mean, <laughs> I was going to try and defend it in some way, but it's... No, there's no way. It's looking you more seem, and more bleak. Yeah. You seem like a very nice man, but you... There's a dynamic here that I'm not vibing with, and uh-huh. so I'm... Plus, like you said, he's taking you deeper and deeper into yes. the office. Yeah. Once he left, or he's like, oh, I'm going to hit the sack, and all right, cool, I'll see you in the morning. It's like, sure. Yeah. I know he's uh-huh. gone. I'm fine. Yeah. No, 10 I, miles away? Fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll walk. Yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. You can keep the car. Yeah. <laughs> I am in so the windshield yeah, right. wipers fucking suck, so <laughs> take it. Can't see shit off the dashboard anyway. <laughs> Doing me a favor. I did want to point out in the novel that I believe it was taxidermied squirrels, right? It was a lot of stuff. Like, there was way more than birds. Ah, yeah. uh, okay. I feel like birds, again, there's this thing that Hitchcock keeps bringing in. Right, right. So it's nothing but birds. Yeah. yeah. But... She takes her first bite of food and Norman says, you eat like a bird. I would leave right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she took one bite. Yeah. Just put and the tray down. Like, no. I got to go. <laughs> and she didn't beak it or anything. No. Beak it? <laughs> like she took- Please, that, what was she eating? Like a piece of bread with cheese on it? Yeah. I was like, That's not a fucking sandwich, man. I'm confused by what this meal is. Yeah, like, I don't. Because she yeah. starts slow with something else and then she makes like a sandwich. It lettuce or something. And then it's bread and she was fuck? smearing something on the bread. I don't know. But I was really watching her food. Yeah, like, what the fuck know. is going on? Uh, 60s snacks uh, <laughs> he brings her like a meat jello or something yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, or is that the 50s i don't know i, I don't know they were eating some I, weird shit all i know is i don't want to eat it. yeah <laughs> but after he makes that remark she kind of looks around the room a little bit and says you'd know yeah he goes not really i'm like what yeah. okay <laughs> your entire room is filled with birds but he tells her that the whole eat like a bird thing is a misconception because birds actually eat a lot but then he says he doesn't know much about birds. His hobby is stuffing things. Again, 
Check, please. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, did anybody else find it weird that he's like, well, I was about to eat myself, blah, blah, blah. He's not fucking eating. Yeah, yeah he says he's not hungry. He's not eating. And he's you brought a- me a, a, a whatever the fuck she's eating yeah. and a drink. I'm, I just don't know. Maybe it's modern sensibilities. And in the 60s, people were just just easier to get got. Yeah. Uh-huh. But everything about this, it's like, wah, wah, yeah. in my head. He's like, no, I ate a bird later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. No big deal. <laughs> But again, stuffing things. Again, taxidermy. Yeah. Get your mind out of the gutter. I think that was a note for myself. (laughs) (laughs) But he says that he only does birds. He knows people who stuff cats and dogs and whatnot, but that's not his bag. Marion calls the hobby strange, but then kindly amends it to curious. Norman explains in more detail the materials, the chemicals and whatnot. And Marion just kindly replies, a man should have a hobby. He says it's more than a hobby. Hobbies are supposed to pass the time, not fill it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He explains that he tends the grounds, maintains the motel, runs errands for his mother, at least the ones that she thinks that he's capable of anyway. She asks if he has any friends, and after he thinks about it for a moment, he replies, a boy's best friend is his mother. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> he then asks about her and where she's going, assuming that she's running away from something. When asked what gives him that idea, he says that he thinks everyone is in their own private traps, and despite their best efforts to get out, they never budge an inch. Marion offers that sometimes people step into these traps deliberately. Norman says that he was born into his, but he doesn't mind it anymore. That's so fucking sad. Mm. Yeah. Like, that's that's incredibly sad. Yeah. I mean, assuming that I'd made it this far, because a bitch is already (laughs) on her way to to Fairview or Field or wherever the fuck the place is Uh, called. Fairvale. Uh, Fairvale. You don't even care. You're like, I'm gone. I'm I'm driving the road. (laughs) The sign will tell me. This, This really feels like a cry for help almost. Yes. There is something very odd to me, not odd negatively, but odd interesting. Mm-hmm. How easy it is to kind of unburden yourself to a stranger. Yeah. Right. And I feel like th- that's happening on both ends in this conversation. Right, right. I agree. It just, I mean, it's so sad because you saw in that ledger, nobody's been here in fucking months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This place is like out of the way. This dude is just up here with his mom. Yeah. And his mom (laughs) sounds like a blast. (laughs) I would just, I would feel so bad again if I was still here because you're already. Um, I would just feel so bad. And I feel like, and I know you're about to get into it, but she oversteps a little. I feel like I might have too. But again, it's all just in trying her best. She sees a situation. Yeah. She's in a situation. Mm -hmm. She's like, if I can help someone else yeah because again she's not a bad person she's not she's just doing something shady that she thinks it's for the right reason yeah but i mean in that uh what i call him colonel moneybags this kind of a kind of an asshole um so whatever he's fucking making it rain and shit (laughs) (laughs) it just feels like sometimes people want to make a decision but they just need to hear it from somebody else Uh uh-huh and so that that's what I would think was happening here is him being like, oh, I was born in a trap, but I don't really mind. It's like he wants you to be like, but like you should, though, Uh like you deserve better than this. Your mom is fucking a monster. Like, I mean, I don't know. I would probably overstep my what would probably be appropriate to say the relationship between customer and motel manager. (laughs) (laughs) 
But she does tell him that. She says that you should mind. And he admits that he does, but it's easier to say that he doesn't. Marion says that if anyone talked to her the way that his mother talked to him, and we watch his smile disappear. Now, every beat of this scene, Mm -hmm. to me, character-wise, on both ends is played perfectly. Yeah. Right. Norman says that when she talks to him that way, parts of him wants to go up there, curse her out, and leave, or at the very least, disobey her in some way. But he knows that he can't do that because she's ill. He then tells her how after his father died, she had to raise him on her own. She didn't have to work because of the inheritance, but it still wasn't easy. But a few years ago, she met a man and he talked her into building the Bates Motel. But after he died, it was just too much for her. He says, and the way he died. But then he realizes this is not proper dinner in the parlor conversation. (laughs) Uh, None of this was, though? No, (laughs) no. So it's like, we've already gone past. Right, right. Yeah, we're in some territory here. Like, sometimes people just need to get shit out. Like, literally, sometimes I don't even know what I think about something until I start talking. Yeah. So And then you you arrive at something. Yeah, I just get it out norman just fucking talk just get it out and who the hell could he have possibly been able to tell this to in the past right this is probably the first time he's able to articulate it. yeah long story short his mother had nothing left and when marion says that she still has him he says that a son is a poor substitute for a lover it's a combination of sad and awkward Mm. and like kind of gross well hell yeah i don't that (laughs) I don't think that's what it, what he meant. That's I know it's not, but just even the fact that 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 he that well, that's a role that needs to be filled. But I'm the only one here. Like it's just I don't well, know. It's it's, it's, it's just too much. It, the thing is, is that I feel, and I'll say this now: he's my favorite character. Yeah, I I love Norman. There's a lot about he's, him. Uh, I, just everything about him. Uh-huh. I I as weird as it sounds, I understand him. I relate to what he's talking about. There is no. It's not about him wanting to be a lover to his mom. He's trying to keep her happy. Right. But when she finds that other guy, she's happy because she's getting it in. You're not in. (laughs) Well, you know, someone, a partner is able to do for you what your kids can't. Of course. So the love she has for him, if she's not showing him now and showing this dude, what, what chance does he have? There is no chance for that. That's just really sad because in a normal, healthy parental relationship, you realize that it, the child realizes it's two different kinds of love. Right. And so it's not that I love you any less because I have a partner. Right. It's just I love my partner in a different way. But Norman's like, it's like he either is getting all of her attention right. or none of it. But but remember, he said that it she raised him. It was just yeah, them until that's that what guy I'm saying. came. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, what makes it the combination of sad and awkward is because very sad because he sees that she's hurting. Yeah, he sees that he wants to be able to, like you said, make her happy. Yeah, but there are certain roles that he obviously can't fill. Yeah, yeah. but the part that makes it awkward is the implications of the amount of jealousy. Right. Yes. The ideas that are a little too grim to explore. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to say it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oedipus? Uh, yeah, yeah, possibly. And so, I mean, there, there's just so much going on. And I think Anthony Perkins plays it so well. Oh, yeah. Everything that he is saying, you feel. Mm-hmm. And you, as unsettling as some of the things are, you are very sorry for him. Yeah. Extremely. There's sympathy. It's so complicated and twisted up in the way that he's 
expressing it almost simplistically, mm-hmm. but you know that there's so much fucking baggage. Like yeah. it's, it was this whole scene is incredibly sad and a little bit scary because he like kind of changes emotions a lot. Yeah, yeah. And there's a moment in a bit that you're like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, I think I'm gonna be yeah. leaving now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the sandwich. <laughs> That I had to build. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that if I went to that diner, they wouldn't give yeah, me the no ingredients shit. to a sandwich. <laughs> no offense. But Marion asks why he doesn't just go away somewhere. But he says that he can't because there's no one to look after his mother. She'd be alone. The fire would go out and it would be cold and damp like a grave. He says if you love someone, you'd never do that to them, even if you hate them. It's just so sad. It is. Mm-hmm. But he says he doesn't hate her, just what she's become, what the illness has made her. Marion suggests putting her someplace, but Norman leans in offended. He says people always call a madhouse someplace. And when Marion tries to apologize, he kind of goes bad on her for a little bit. He recounts the conditions of those kinds of places, and he says that his mother doesn't belong there. She's harmless, as harmless as one of those stuffed birds. Marion kind of goes into defense mode, apologizing, saying that she meant well. Norman continues to go bad, saying that people always say they mean well. I mean, she didn't sound as harmless as a stuffed yeah. bird. No. <laughs> she's like, I'll fuck her up myself. Yeah, yeah no, she was getting that ass. Like, yeah, she, she did is. not sound harmless. I'm just laughing, thinking of her crouched underneath the window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounded like. That is some tough shit. But Norman finally admits that he's actually suggested it to himself in the past. But he hates to think about it because his mother needs him. He says she's not a maniac. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. He smiles a bit, asking if Marion has. She says that she has, but sometimes one time can be enough. Marion thanks Norman, but says that she needs to go to bed because she has a long drive in the morning back to Phoenix. She says she stepped into her own private trap back there and would like to pull herself out of it before it's too late. He says he'll bring her breakfast in the morning, and before she leaves, she gives her name as Miss Crane when asked. Yeah. Norman pops a piece of candy corn into his mouth and looks over the ledger again, noticing that Marion did give a fake name and city when she signed in. Marion. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. (laughs) Um, And the candy corn was what Anthony Perkins was like adding, brought to the character, which Mm -hmm. is like, he's almost like a, I mean, childish in his way of thinking especially when it pertains to his mom so i feel like it's just so fitting for him to just be you know kicking around this property by himself just eating fucking candy corn like it just (laughs) fits and he said that also the candy like popping it made him appear like a bird eating seed Uh, yeah it does and then fucking hitchcock i swear to god yeah the eating of a snack was perkins idea yeah it being candy corn was hitch's idea because he said perkins had a long neck like a chicken all right, now say it like Hitchcock, though. You've got a long. <laughs> you appear like a chicken to me. Hitchcock's like, why don't you just wear this jacket I made you? It's just feathers. Yeah. Like, what are like, you doing? Bitch, you're ruining this film. <laughs> what the? F- you're doing too much. Yeah, He's too wearing much. the Birds of Prey costume. Exactly. <laughs> but the uh-huh. muscles of man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just a reminder. Don't you mess with his eggs now. Yeah. Mm. You'll see him fight. <laughs> but norman returns to the parlor where he can hear marion moving around in the other room he removes a picture from the wall which reveals a hole looking directly into marion's room he peeps through it and we see marion undressing and throwing on a robe now 
The censors were furious about this. Why? They, of course they were. There was an extra shot of her unfastening her bra. Okay. And they had to cut it. Again, it, it's, it's, I, I don't mean to sound like ignorant or dumb or whatever, but it, it always surprises me. It's like, I bet if it was a dude walking around in his boxers, well, we it saw would be there was fine. a shirtless man yeah. at the beginning of the well, film. Well, I know, but care. I mean, she's, yeah. but I'm trying to kind of like equal it out. She's in her underwear. Uh-huh. So he, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I don't, I just don't. I just, it feels like women weren't allowed to have sexuality on their own terms. I know. I mean, I, I, I've been told I get it, yeah. but I just don't, I still can't wrap my mind like, why the the, <laughs> what like, the the ridiculous thing now is that it's gotten a little better as far as nudity is concerned right but even in again this film is not yet rated right they talked about scenes involving oral sex uh-huh like a man he can have it whatever right. nobody cares but if it's a woman receiving it the MPAA is like, okay, two seconds is too long, or she can't look that happy. Well, <laughs> yeah, because what? it's a woman experiencing pleasure, just her. It's like, are so, we basing this off well, of your wife? Yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't smile that much. Yeah. What's his name? Ben Shapiro? Did yeah, he? Ben oh, Shapiro's fuck. like, women don't even women have. Women actually don't like sex. Yeah, so. Okay. My man. wife told me. <laughs> I can't yeah, get my voice done. Like I can sex with you, dude. Exactly. <laughs> I I can do a Hitchcock, but I can't get my voice that annoying to be Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Nobody can. But Norman replaces the photo onto the wall and leaves the office, heading back to the house, seemingly on a mission. I know it wasn't part of the assignment to mm-hmm. watch the remake, but yeah. oh my god, <laughs> why did they make Vince Vaughn jerk off at this part? Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, I know. We <laughs> you mentioned it earlier, T, before we had started recording. Uh, and I agree. I really like Vince Vaughn. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know why they did that to him. Like, I, that uh, was unnecessary. It was so unnecessary. It's not like we, you know what I mean? As adults or whatever, or humans, you're gonna, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Masturbation is normal, but he didn't, if you're doing a, a, a scene by scene recreation of the movie, I didn't see yeah, this I don't happen. Remember, I don't remember Anthony Perkins doing not, that. No. I didn't see this happen. He did not get perky. No. <laughs> <laughs> the thing was for me is like you're saying is that the peeping is enough. Right. Yeah, it's scary and enough. Yeah. The thing is, is that the peeping is scary. It is very invasive. It's bad. It's very bad. Yeah. But if you look at Norman as a child. Right. It's like Silent like Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, he's curious. Like Silent Night, Deadly <laughs> Night. <laughs> I swear to God. Um, None's going to come and start yeah. whipping Mary. Exactly. He's, he's like, what even... He doesn't understand. Right, right. Granted, he is a full-grown adult. Yeah. yeah who but should that's not what, be doing this. That's what makes it more upsetting or more, like, sad, honestly. Yeah. But if he's checking in yeah (laughs) it becomes this extra horrible disgusting thing and it's less about like voyeurism and curiosity because it's like oh you just watch your customers yeah and jerk off like you're just disgusting yeah yeah so i mean i don't i don't know and vince vaughn didn't even clean up (laughs) yeah that was right he just left he just left the room he's like and that's that He's like, that was money yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever they said on swingers. No, I, I, I do want to make it very clear. Nobody should peep on anyone. No, I'm not. Whether excusing, you're jerking off or not. Yeah, no. I'm not excusing Norman's behavior. I'm trying to show how Hitchcock presented it almost innocently. Right. And in a creepy way. And Gus Van Sant was like, maybe you should. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Do not. But before we go on, and I, I, uh, 
I was, you know, watching Norman and whatever. And I apologize, Seth. I'm sorry. Seth's a good friend of mine, Gonzalo. Mm-hmm. He looks like Seth. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. And I think it was just because of the the short hair. He's he's tall and skinny. Uh-huh. And I and he's, you know what I mean? He's he's a normal put together guy. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's Seth. I was like, <laughs> maybe that's why I'm you sorry, like Norman yeah. so much. <laughs> right. maybe. Like, he's like, my I think favorite. he's one of my best like, friends. Oh, I play video games with that guy. <laughs> I, I played Destiny with Norman. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> but Norman goes inside the house and stops at the staircase for a moment before just heading into the kitchen instead and sitting at the table. In her room, Marion does math, subtracting to find out how much of the $40,000 is left. After she does, she tears up the paper and goes into the bathroom, throwing the paper into the toilet and flushing it. Interestingly, whether it's the first American film or whether it's the first film, period, mm-hmm. this is the first toilet flush ever filmed. Really? Yeah. I read that what? and I was like, what the fuck? Because they, they apparently people didn't shit before 1960. Oh. <laughs> what? No. The, uh, I guess censors were just so any, and they were almost like Norman where he's like in the room over there. Yeah. You don't talk about that. You don't show that. It's just not a thing. They were even scared writing it that they, that shot would be cut. What? And so they made it important for the film that it couldn't be cut. Right. Well, a toilet implies the existence of a butthole, and I feel like oh. uh, <laughs> they just wanted us to all the, be Barbies yeah, and Ken dolls. So now we're getting into the implication. Yeah. Talking, you don't have to show the body parts. Yeah. <laughs> just thinking about them. But Marion closes the bathroom door and takes off her robe, getting into the shower. She opens up a bar of soap and then turns on the water. In a shot under the shower head, we see it turn on, and Marion seems overjoyed to wash the day off of her. She's so yeah. fucking happy. No, yeah. yeah. Also, does anybody get in the shower and then turn on the water? Yeah, I, I kind of, I was like, "You're the bad guy no, here." I know that was the like, that, This is a serial killer and, moment. Yeah. You're the bad and, guy. <laughs> <laughs> and you're taking the raw bar of soap to your ass and then your face. Well, and then well it's a hotel. It's a hotel soap. Okay, they, I, they I give don't, you washcloths. Listen, I don't Come agree. On. I don't agree with that. But I'll give her a pass on that. I I cannot excuse. Okay, yeah. Oh, so start from the face down. Yes. Of right? course, okay, yeah. Of course, yeah. I cannot excuse the egregiousness of stepping into a shower and then turning it off. Yeah, that I, was a bit. I will say one thing I've noticed about hotel showers is they do get hot a lot quicker. They do. Than uh, showers yeah, at home. You'll still, fucking you, melt your skin off yeah, just on true. accident. <laughs> She's just a skeleton hopping yeah. out. <laughs> and what? now to take that money back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say that I think she's talking like Margot Kidder. Yeah, (laughs) I think that it's very, very telling that she's so happy to be showering because she is. It's almost like the black underwear. Yeah, Yeah. she's leaving that all behind. Tomorrow morning, I'm going back and I'm going to make things right, and I won't have any guilt. Right. So she's really cleansing herself. But behind her, and through the opaque shower curtain, we see a figure open the bathroom door and step inside. Almost entirely a shadow, the figure wrenches the shower curtain open and raises a knife. Marion screams at the sight as the iconic score kicks in, and through a variety of angles and cuts, we watch as Marion struggles with the figure who stabs her repeatedly in the chest, stomach, and back. Blood pools in the bottom of the tub as the figure makes a hasty retreat out of the room. We get a shot of Marion turning around and reaching for the shower curtain as she slides down the wall. 
She grasps it and pulls it off the rod with the clips clanking as she falls to the floor, her lower body still in the tub. We watch as blood joins the water, zooming in as it swirls down the drain. We then transition through the drain to her opened eye, pulling back and twisting as the shower continues to run in the background as she lies there, dead. So this, according to The Guardian, 78 camera setups. Damn. 52 cuts. Fuck. Less than one minute. Yeah. One of Jeez. the most iconic fucking scenes Absolutely. ever. Well, because like even if you've never seen Psycho, you, you know the you shower know scene. Like yeah. they, remember when they did it on The Simpsons? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when it was Homer in the garage. I, yeah. I think they've done it on everything. On everything. <laughs> they yeah. have. Um, I read that it took a week. Yeah. For them to film it, God and then damn. there was like controversy because they lied about whose body it was. Yeah, it was partially her, and then they also hired a nude model. Right. The reason for the nude model was because they wanted to make sure the opaque. I guess the opacity of the shower right. curtain to make sure that they weren't showing anything. Yeah. And the only way to really do that is to make sure someone's nude behind. Right, them. right, right. The, um, huh. the woman was named Marley Renfro. I kind of went down a rabbit hole. Uh-huh. She was one of the first playboy bunnies. Oh, wow. Oh, the shit. Same, when this was still in theaters, she was on the cover of Playboy and she's in a shower. There you go. <laughs> on the cover of Playboy. Oh, yeah. But I just thought that was really cool. She said that to get the part, I guess. Right. She had to strip down in front of Hitchcock and then he brought her to Janet Lee uh-huh. and made her strip down in front of her and she was comfortable and she said that Alfred Hitchcock was a complete gentleman and he never made her feel uncomfortable. Well, that's well, good for her. Yeah. I was like, well, that's not the experience <laughs> I'm familiar okay. with. But when asked, they were like, no, nobody else was there. Nobody else was there. And then years later, they were like, oh no, yeah, she was there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, understand, I don't, I don't know why they Yeah, I don't it. understand the lie. I think... Um, Part of it, maybe it's almost like the same thing with The Exorcist, right? Where they didn't want anyone to know that it wasn't Linda Blair doing yeah. the voice, because uh, I think right. she did get nominated for an Oscar for this, and so they're like, well, if part of your performance is done by someone else, yeah. but that, that's a, oh. I feel like that's a reach. But. I I agree. I think it's bullshit, and I think that her work speaks for itself. Right, yeah. right. Possibly the most iconic scream. Yeah. Outside of the Wilhelm scream. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. That woman, I just thought was pretty cool in 1960. It said that, she was a stripper yeah. in Dallas, Texas. Hey, good for so her. So she's just being hey, a fucking go. badass oh, yeah. bitch. I just yeah. thought that was really cool. But I also want to point out that they were running through a lot of different options for what to use as the blood. Uh-huh. Since it's black and white, they settled on Bosco chocolate syrup. So I, I Shout out to George Costanza. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's what I kind of wanted to uh, uh, bring up. I don't know why I thought this was going to be gorier. Mm-hmm. It was like That's why I said it earlier. It's very tame. The blood, there's very a little of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when she slides down the wall, there is no blood. No. And I was like, well, you got stabbed in the back. I just watched you. But where to go? <laughs> you know I just I mean? watched yeah. you. And then uh, I do like the the water mixed with the blood going down the drain. Yeah. Um, but it was for the amount of time she was stabbed, it was very little. I wonder how much they really could have were allowed to yeah, do. Yeah, that's it, well. Were you saying all that? Uh-huh. And, you know, bringing up them restricting certain things. It's it like, damn, yeah. It's like, why? It's. I mean, it's it's a, a bummer, but I mean, and, and if it's a horror movie, you should know that there's got to be shit in here. Yeah. But you got to remember, this was like, if I remember reading correctly, this was Hitchcock's first horror movie. Yeah. And so horror movies, as far as like being synonymous with gore uh-huh. and blood, that wasn't happening. So what yet. did he do before this? I know he did like North by Northwest and probably more crime situations. Okay, but 
I think this was his first honest horror film. Oh, all right. He also had right. Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Which yeah. is great. Which is great, but... I uh, also really appreciate... Like, this is top shelf, like, the example of a false protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And that's what kind of the book... When I had said that all the changes I felt were very, very effective, starting the book with Norman and his mom and then kind of leading into... Well, her name was Mary in right. the book, but leading yeah. into Marion, it's so much more effective that we start with Marion because you're like, this is our, I know it wasn't a coined term yet, but this is our final girl. Right. This is who mm-hmm. we're following. We're going to, you know, go through the movie through her eyes, da 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 da, whatever. Uh-huh. Oh, fuck, she's dead. Right, right. So it really like throws you off balance because you're like, there's no way. Like, this is this right, is what yeah. the movie's about. Because I was uh, that too. I was like, we're only halfway through the movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was like, and you're dead. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, so what? What the hell am I watching now? So I, feel, <laughs> I mean, the audience gets the rug pulled out from yeah. under them. It's just it's so effective. And we even, I mean, like even in Scream and you right. know, uh, Urban Legend and all the shit yeah. that came later. It's like the roots of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it it it's everywhere. Right. And can you get away with doing that again? <laughs> uh, to mean, this extent yeah right. that's why most of the time we get that one scene and it's like oh shit no we're, we're following these teens yeah. it's like <laughs> you know this is just so effective that it's I, I just can't say enough good things about it right and the good thing about it is that janet lee didn't mind being mm-hmm. killed off so early she it, actually said that she just wanted to work with Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> and I think part of the surprise of it, that's another reason why he didn't yeah. want people in the theater. Yeah. Oh, because he doesn't right. want you to see fucking 48 minutes of not Janet Lee. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? What's fucked up is she, I read that she said that after they finished with this movie, she was like telling him it was such an honor or whatever. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, we can never work together again. He's like, you're going to be typecast <laughs> because of this. Basically, basically, your career's over. It's also sad for Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Well, and they both, I've seen interviews with them where they both said that they were typecast uh-huh. from this film, but they would rather have been typecast from Psycho than never have done Psycho. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you're I mean, in Psycho. It, yeah. It, yeah. It's like a double-edged <laughs> sword, but I just thought that was, <laughs> she's like, thank you so much. And he's like, oh no, d- yeah. d- like, lose my number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, we can never be seen together again. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. He moved on to Tippy. Huh? Yes. yes. There you go. Yes. Poor Tippy. Poor Tippy. But according to a making of, I just want to get some technical stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. Hitchcock had wanted her to wear contact lenses right. for that last scene. Oh, okay. Because he's like, that shot, there's no way that you can capture the dead look right? as well as a pair of contacts could. Uh-huh. But the technology of contact lenses at the time, they would have taken six weeks for her to get used to wearing. Oh, Holy shit. God and damn. <laughs> obviously, they did what not have that. What were they doing yeah, back yeah. then? I know. <laughs> I think they actually it's planted just gravel. them in the <laughs> yeah. Just old stones with eyes painted on them. It's like Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> but there was also a controversy around this shower scene. Uh-huh. The storyboards of it were done by Saul Bass, and he would later say in an interview that he actually directed the entire shower scene. And Man. everybody on set was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so he later recanted. But it's just so weird. He was more of those not get involved directors. (laughs) Hitchcock really wasn't a take charge. (laughs) But um, interestingly, in the novel, they say that the knife cut off Mary's scream and then her head. Oh, sure. She's full on decapitated. She's decapitated and that's it. 
Like well, nothing. They no, don't. No stabs. Yeah. No cut her head off here. I, <laughs> cut no, her head not off. yet. No, not yeah, yet. No. I feel like, and they had talked about it. Janet Lee said, "With every cut that's made, it's almost like a cut of the knife." Right. And so you feel like she's being stabbed like a hundred times. Yeah. yeah. And really, it's only a few. Yeah. Yeah. And he did kind of appease the censors because along with them cutting that unfastening of the bra, mm-hmm. it kind of gave them the goodwill to show a shot of the knife kind of going in. Yeah, because you do see one yeah. time where it looks yeah. like it makes contact. I think it's the torso. Right. And they would not, like, that was not normal <laughs> at the time. And so it's just like... To see how far horror has come right, right. as far as what they can show on screen. That this was like too much. Yeah. yeah. This was sensibilities were <laughs> fucking, you know, just insane. The last thing I'll say is that they did not run out of hot water for her. They did their very best to keep her warm. Oh, <laughs> that's well, kind I of bet. surprising yeah. at the time, though. For a full week and for they're like, no, fucking water's yeah. water. Let her pass Fuck out. It doesn't yeah. matter. Does it look cold? I don't give a yeah. shit. <laughs> But the camera pulls out of the bathroom to find her newspaper filled with cash still resting on her nightstand before finally focusing on the Bates house outside of her open window. When I saw the money still there, mm-hmm. I thought of Fargo when she's like, and for what? For a little bit of money. <laughs> a little bit of money. Also, Janet Lee was finally allowed to blink because the camera was off of her. <laughs> Good. I couldn't do it. Oh, I no. tried to keep yeah, my eye open uh, the whole time we were looking at her eye and I, yeah. I couldn't yeah. do it. I do the same thing like when people go underwater. Yeah. And you're like, <gasps> oh, I al- I'm always dead. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was thinking the Mothman prophecies. Like, yeah, we're absolutely not. We're done. Yeah, we're oh, not getting yeah, out of what this. Did we, we're watching old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm like, dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. But we hear Norman cry out, Mother! Oh, God! Mother! Blood! Blood! (laughs) He rushes out of the house, making his way down to the motel, accompanied by tense strings. He runs into Marion's room and finds her body on the floor. He throws his hand over his mouth, accidentally knocking a bird photo to the floor. Interesting, because Crane is dead. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good one. He collects himself, closing the window and the door before shutting off the lights. He heads outside and back to the office, closing the door behind him. He turns off those lights, too, and we see him return to Marion's room with a bucket and a mop. He kind of psychs himself up to go inside, turning off the water and removing the shower curtain. He places it on the floor outside the bathroom, then drags Marion's body on top of it. He immediately washes his blood-covered hands, but then gets right back to work mopping the blood in and around the tub. He spot checks all the tiles on the bathroom floor and then he steps out of the room to back Marion's car up to the room door and opens up her sizable trunk. Returning to the room, he wraps her in the shower curtain and places her inside the trunk. This was not Janet Lee, by the way. Well, good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's very surprised when Mother comes back to the house. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But the way that he cleans the room very calmly and methodically yeah. kind of makes me think that this was not the first time this has happened. Yeah, he has a system. Right, right. Yeah. He's like, I got to uh, mop the thing. Like, it, yeah. it's yeah. just very A, B, C, D, put the body in the car. Like, uh-huh. it, it's just very like, because um, I wouldn't be that comfortable oh, no. with, now we got to get rid of this. No, like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do they call it? Turn down service? Yeah. Right. <laughs> put down service. <laughs> no shit. But he pockets the room key and collects all of Marion's belongings, making the room appear as vacant as it was before she arrived. He carries everything out, failing to collect the newspaper, which holds no significance to him. Outside, he drops everything when a car drives past, but it turns out to be a false alarm. So he just loads up the trunk with everything and then finally notices the newspaper on his last look. He snags it, absolutely full of cash, and tosses it into the trunk with Marion. 
I was like, dude, no. Yeah. <laughs> there is like, no way. That would be heavy as shit. I was thinking the same thing. As light as that paper is uh-huh. with that money in there, even if it's only 700, that's $40,000. It's going to have some heft to it. But the, you also don't know your own strength with the adrenaline. He's like just fucking that, throwing. That was he the, can lift the car. That was, <laughs> that was the excuse in my mind was that he's not... He's not thinking, oh, I this guess, is heavier than a newspaper should be. He's but just he like, I got to clean everything really up. Calm. Yeah, he does. he does. So I'm like, you picked up the newspaper. You had to have felt. And it looked thin, like the paper. Well, out- but it was the Los Angeles Times. They put a lot of, I don't know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put a lot of work into it. It was that. a heavy news day. Yeah. But he hops into the driver's seat and takes off. We pull back from the license plate of the car to reveal that Norman has driven to a swamp. He gets out of the car, pushing it into the water, nervously munching candy corn and watching as it slowly begins to sink. Again, though, this feels very practiced. Yeah. Right. I thought this was a fucking tar pit. I was like, I was like, what? yeah, it looks like. I was tar like, pit. why is it so dark? <laughs> Holy it, well, shit! It's like, look, look, look. Yeah. <laughs> then it's, it's slow. It's how slow the car was going in. Uh, yeah. Like, is this tar? I was like, he's just got a fucking it, tar pit laying it around somewhere. Like it. Laying around. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the tar pit yeah. hangs up. Yeah. But the car does seem to stop for a moment. Norman almost shitting himself, but the swamp is still hungry for the car, devouring the rest of it as Norman smiles. According to a making of, this was done in one shot. Oh, the oh, car wow. thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They drained the fall. It was like a fake lake yeah. at the Universal Backlot, and they put a hy- hydraulic press underneath, mm-hmm. and they put the car on it, and they would just slowly sink it. Oh, all right. And so it works very well. Yeah, it does. And Hitchcock had said that, honestly, the moment when it stops sinking, yeah. the audience would kind of like gasp a little. Yeah. And he realized that in that moment that the audience was kind of on Norman's side a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Well, because he's, otherwise, he's protecting his mom. It's like a, yeah. he's just in a really, really shitty situation. Oh, like, yeah. But I feel like most people would try to protect their mom. Like as fucked up as that is. Right. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's tough. You're in a tough spot. Yeah. Yeah. But we then cut to Sam Loomis writing a letter to his, quote, dearest, right as always, Marion, on his hardware letterhead. In the letter, he realizes that it doesn't matter if they're poor or living in small quarters. They'd be together and they'd be happy. We pull back from the little room to find hardware store customer, played by Helen Wallace, complaining to Bob Sommerfeld, an employee played by Frank Kilman, about a can of insect killer. It's so sad because if he would have had that energy yesterday, none yeah. of this would have happened. Not yeah. at all. She wouldn't have stolen the money. She, mm-hmm. nothing. It's so fucking sad. This film is a tragedy. It really yeah. is. <laughs> but the customer says, insector man, death should always be painless. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But stepping out of a cab and walking into the store is Lila Crane, Marion's sister, played by Vera Miles. Lila asks for Sam, who comes out to greet her, and she introduces herself as Marion's sister and asks if Marion's here. He says she isn't. We also watch the customer leave happily, probably on her way to murder her husband or something. I don't know what the fuck is happening there. (laughs) But Lila tells Sam that Marion left home on Friday and she hasn't heard from her since. She says she doesn't give a shit if they're in it together or what, but she wants to talk to Marion to know she's okay. In the store window, we see Detective Milton Arbogast, played by Martin Balsam, peering through the glass at them. Total sidebar, but it took me until now, because I know Martin Balsam was in that Twilight Zone episode. I've always liked him as an actor. Mm -hmm. But I realized that he is the father of Talia Balsam, who played Mona Sterling on Mad Men. What the fuck? Yeah. 
And oh, it, there you go. Yeah. It right. took me until this time to. That's crazy. It only took me watching Mad Men like eight <laughs> times. But. Isn't she married to John Slattery yeah. for you real? You guys really yeah. like I, that show. Oh, it's so yeah. good. It's so good. So damn good. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Sam tells Bob to take his lunch break, and Bob takes a second to catch on. He's yeah. like, you know, actually, I brought my lunch. Sam's like, like, go and eat fuck it. out of here. <laughs> like, fuck off, Bob. Yeah, do you Damn. not get it? He's like, oh, oh, yeah. you got it, boss. Okay, sorry. But Sam asks if Marion is in trouble, but Arbogast steps in with a really tight shot on his face for some reason. Yeah. I was like, all right. That was very funny. I was like, very close. Fuck? He's like, oh, shit, it's this guy yeah. who I do not know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've never met. But he says, let's all talk about Marion, shall we? And he introduces himself as a private investigator. And as it turns out, he followed Lila here. He says what brings him here is the fact that Marion stole $40,000. Sam is confused as all hell, but Lila explains that Marion was supposed to take it out to the bank on Friday, but she didn't and no one has seen her since. Lila says that they don't want to prosecute, they just want the money back. Sam speculates that she could still be in Phoenix. She could have had an accident and is in the hospital. But Arbogast shares that she was seen leaving town by Mr. Lowry. Sam is in disbelief, but Lila doesn't seem so shocked. Arbogast is convinced that she's in Fairvale, and he says, where there's a boyfriend, and promises that he'll find her before leaving. I mean, looking at it from his point of view, it looks pretty fucking sketchy. (laughs) So it was at this point when he came, I was like, fuck, this is a crime drama. Well, it's- but, <laughs> but I just, like I said, I I don't like buddy cop shows. I don't, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I'm not going to watch NCIS or CSI or what. I just, I know they're good shows, but I, they don't do anything for me. It's mm-hmm. just it's not something I don't, you know, I just don't like it. And then like when I see this, I was like, fuck, I was like, please don't center around this. But don't center. <laughs> For me, I mean, this is kind of like it's like those old detective noirs. Yeah. And I love yeah. that shit. No, and I love that. Uh-huh. But like I said, I, I don't know what it is and what it's it, it, it does nothing for me. I just like I know you've told me, too, that you used to watch a lot of uh, something with your dad. CSI. CSI. Mm-hmm. I've tried to watch CSI. I, Isn't the other guys a buddy cop movie? Yeah. No, it's a comedy. <laughs> it's a, That's buddy, what it is. a buddy cop and, comedy. And they're they're best friends. Okay. Like, you watch your fucking that's mouth. Little, right that's there. more than buddy. buddies. buddies. That's more. Hey, my buddy. Oh, I work with that guy. He's a buddy of mine. Mm. No, this is my best friend. Okay. All right. So it's a best friend yeah. cop comedy. We're there brothers. you go. Yeah. It just clicked to me why I couldn't remember the name of the town because Fairview is where Desperate Housewives sitting. God right. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but of course it is. I'm not proud of it. Okay. But like, I like lawyer stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. And it doesn't make so it, it's weird to me that it still has to do with the law. But I don't, maybe it's the seriousness of it or something. I don't know what it is because you're right. And I know it's a buddy cop movie, <laughs> but, it, but it's, but it's comedy. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I don't have to sit there and really follow and pay attention. Or, and I think that's what kind of, again, turning the mind off, what kind of gets me. And then it's like, fuck, I don't want to have to pay attention to what he says now because 30 minutes from now, something's going to happen and I'm supposed to remember that. And then <laughs> usually I'm going yeah. to be and honest, man, not all of them. You, 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 are, you have one of the most interesting brains I've ever, <laughs> <laughs> I've ever encountered. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Cause I have, I've, I just, I do. It's like I said, I try to watch Lucifer. And then as soon as there was, and, and it is, no, I guess, he got a comedy. Mad. as soon uh-huh. as there was police involved and they were, they were the center of attention or uh-huh. like, it was, uh, obviously a cop drama i was like i'm i'm out 
but in all fairness, the detective angle of this does not last no, very long. No, it does. No, 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 it doesn't. But that's what I'm saying. Like at this point, it's I was like, like, like God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please. Yeah. You're like, unless Will Ferrell starts cr- cracking right. some goddamn jokes. <laughs> Jumps <laughs> off a building. Yeah. Yeah. Unless that detective does a desk pop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we got some worries. But we watch in a silent montage as Arbogast visits several hotels asking around for Marion to no result. We then cut to Norman back at the motel, reading a magazine and enjoying a bag of candy corn, spelled with two Ks. <laughs> I, I noticed that. Thought that it, was weird. It was yeah. 1960. That's true. Maybe that's where Jonathan Davis got the idea. <laughs> it's like, I'll just turn the R backwards. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> Norman's got sweet teeth, man. Yeah. He does. I think that's all he eats. He didn't eat a sandwich or nothing? No. <laughs> but he nervously munches a few as Arbogast pulls up in his car, bidding him a good evening. After engaging in pleasantries about the lack of business at the motel, the fact that he's seen so many motels in the past few days, and declining some candy corn, Arbogast asks if he can just get a few questions answered. Norman says it's linen day, and he changes them whether they've been used or not, and not doing so results in a creepy smell, he says. I was like, but all the birds and shit, that's fine. (laughs) That's fine, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not creepy at all. But he invites Arbogast into his office and awkwardly asks if he's interested in buying a motel, considering he's seen so many recently. But Arbogast gets down to brass tacks, introducing himself as a PI, as well as the fact that he's investigating a missing persons case. He pulls a picture of Marion from his wallet, and Norman goes out of his way not to look at it. He literally has to be asked, I think, three times, and he finally does, saying he hasn't seen her or anyone at the motel Mm -hmm. in the past couple weeks. Now, I know Norman is a little suspicious. Yeah. You know I mean? Incredibly <laughs> suspicious. Can we talk about how this fool got out of the car? How did he? He got out on the passenger side. I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. He, he does it either. again later on, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you just, always got to keep him guessing. Yeah. Okay? I was like, okay, maybe, he, I, I don't know, I can't remember if it was raining or maybe, you know what I mean? Oh, he that's just didn't true. want that first time. So yeah. I was like, okay. But then he does it again, uh, uh, again a little later on, and I was like, <laughs> No, He's you're like, just this door doesn't yeah. work. All right, <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's something it's you need to know rich. about this yeah. car. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't filmed in England, so it's not. Yeah, I just, I, I didn't. That is true. I didn't know if it meant something or if it, you know what I mean. And I was uh-huh. just like, why does he keep doing that? He's giving the old razzle dazzle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Arbogast says that she could have used a fake name to sign in. But Norman says he doesn't even bother with the register anymore. He shouldn't even be changing the sheets. But old habits die hard. He then flicks on the light for the sign outside, which we see spring to life. He tells Arbogast that a couple weeks ago, a couple said that they thought that it was a deserted property. If the light hadn't have been on, they wouldn't have even pulled in. Arbogast immediately catches him in the lie. He's like, I thought you said nobody had been around. He immediately catches him because it's a bad yeah. lie. It's a, yeah. He, 30 <laughs> yeah. seconds ago, you just said that nobody had been yeah. here at all. But he's like, check this shit out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About a week ago. Like, it's why are you doing this? Ba- it's really, really bad. But with that, because it'll make him look really bad if he doesn't, Norman hands him the guest book. Arbogast came prepared with a sample of Marion's handwriting and leaves through the book. Norman tilts his head over the book like a bird, his jaw nervously chewing candy corn as Arbogast finds Marie Samuels and pieces it together, considering Samuel Loomis's name. I just don't understand because Norman gave him the book. I know Uh it was kind of like painted into a corner or whatever. Yeah. But... I don't understand the harm in saying, oh, yeah, no, she stayed here and she left early. I came to open up and she was already gone. I think the harm in it is admitting anything at all. 
and he thinks that he can just squeak by. Well, he right. cannot. No, he's not. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a battle liar yeah. as she was. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, dude, he's a PI. You don't even have to talk to him. Tell him to leave. That is true. And and he. You know what I mean? Even if he's like, well, I'll come back with the police. Okay, Fine. then go. Like, I That'll get... give me enough time to... Sorry. To, I no, no, no. To make sure everything... Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I get that he obviously knows at this point that she used a fake name. Right. But you don't have anybody signed in from April until the night that she went missing. Yeah. So then what about that couple you're talking about? Although, yeah. it does look kind of good because he said he doesn't even bother with it right, anymore. Right. So maybe it could have been just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's right. But it's Uh, dated. That lady. Yeah. (laughs) It's dated. It is. Look, he's not a good criminal. (laughs) Like Norman, though, to his credit, insists that he wasn't lying. And after seeing the picture again, suddenly recognizes Marion. But he says that it was raining, so her hair was wet. And honestly, it's not a very good picture of her anyway. Yeah. Stop. It's like, don't. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, you don't. know how when your hair's wet, like you have a different face? Yeah, it changes everything. <laughs> it's like Ted Bundy. You yeah. Know? So just, I've never seen that man before in my life. Complete stranger. But he tells Arbogast that she arrived late, went straight to sleep, and left super early in the next morning. He begins to stutter a ton, which is always a good sign. <laughs> but he says that she didn't arrive with anyone, leave with anyone, or make any phone calls. Arbogast asks if he spent the night with her and his face tenses up as he says that he didn't. Arbogast is like, well, then how do you know that she didn't make any phone calls? So Norman draws upon the facts. She was in the parlor with him eating a sandwich that he made for her, which she made it for herself. (laughs) (laughs) And she told him that she needed to go to bed early to be up for a long drive in the morning. He also says that Marion paid in cash and then he tries to rush Arbogast off because he needs to get back to work. But Arbogast feels like something is missing. He says, if it doesn't gel, then it isn't aspic, and this isn't gelling. Great line. <laughs> he asks if Marion is still here hiding out, and Norman says that she isn't. He even offers for Arbogast to join him in each of the rooms while he changes the sheets if he doesn't believe him. No search warrant necessary. Arbogast follows Norman out of the office and watches as he hesitates to go into room number one, skipping it entirely and going into room number two. Instead of following him, Arbogast makes a beeline for the other side of the building, looking across the way to see the Bates house on the hill with the silhouette of a woman in the window. He asks Norman if there's anyone in the house, and he instinctively says, no. Jesus yeah. Christ, <laughs> Arbogast is like, there's literally a human yeah. in the window. Like, I you can can't stop lying. <laughs> I can see it right now. But Norman admits finally that his mother is there. He says that she's disabled, which is basically like living alone, which is pretty fucked up. Uh, Very fucked up. But Arbogast has a feeling that it's Marion in the window, and he asks if Norman has been paid off to hide her. He's like, you know, if she did that, she'd be making a fool of you, right? Norman fires back. I'm not a fool, and I wouldn't be made a fool, not even by a woman. He ends with, she may have fooled me, but she didn't fool my mother. Stop talking. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? I don't know why. Please, You're please stop digging talking. a hole. Every Not, sentence. I mean, first, she never came at all. No. Yeah. Then, oh, yeah, she came and checked in, and then she left. And then she came in, checked in, we ate together, and then yeah. she left. And then she came, checked in, we ate together, and she didn't fool my mom. It's Mm-mm. like, dude, yeah. stop. Yeah. So there is a person yeah. in the house. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> she didn't fool my mother, and that's why she fucking killed her in the shower. It's and like, then, uh, I, I had to clean it up. <laughs> stop talking. In that swamp over there (laughs) it's like what the fuck but arbogast is delighted because now there's another witness to talk to but norman's like no we will not be doing that and asks arbogast to leave as it turns out in order to talk to mother he will need a warrant for that so they part company pretty awkwardly 
As Arbogast drives away, Norman smiles to himself slyly, and we then see Arbogast stop at a payphone dialing on a rotary. Why do you think he was like smiling and laughing? Did, did, yeah. did he think he played that well? He did not. He's like, Normie, you still got it. <laughs> and Armagas is like, um, I think everything yeah. went wrong there. Hello, police? Yeah. I don't understand why he just looked so pleased with himself. Yeah. I don't know. He's like, hell yeah. I told him. But see here too, he gets out of the passenger side to get really? into the booth. What the fuck? I was like, why is it just the way he's parking? Okay, it's closer. Let me just scoot over. Maybe. I mean, like, let me but roll I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah, I was like, why? The, the door's right there. Like, dude, you're <laughs> yeah. right next to it. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? It's like, I like to open doors with my left hand. Yeah. <laughs> just a personal thing. I just I don't like doing it. But he gets Sam on the line and asks for Lila. He tells her that Marion was up here and spent last night in the Bates Motel. He even knows that she was in cabin number one because Norman is a terrible liar. Yeah. <laughs> While he did interview Norman, he feels like things are unfinished because he didn't get to go interview Norman's mother. He says he plans to head back to the motel, but he does have good news. He doesn't think Sam knew Marion was here, but he says, see you in an hour or less and gets off the phone. Is this the first? I'll be right back. Yes, Yes, it is. But back at the motel, eerie music plays as Norman notices a vehicle approaching and disappears in the shadows of the walkway. We see that car belongs to Arbogast, who immediately parks, gets out and goes into the office looking for Norman. In the parlor, Arbogast notices all the birds, but eyes a closed safe, then looks under the counter before heading out. Rather than build up to it or find Norman, he decides to head straight for the Bates' home on the hill. After making it up the stairs, he sneaks inside, the front door unlocked. Uh, he shouldn't be Detective Arbogast. He should be Detective Audacity because yeah. he fucking just walks into somebody's house like that. Even if you're like, hello there. A man yeah. that like, <laughs> Still. A man that is clearly, whether it's about Marion or not, yeah. he's clearly hiding something. Very clearly. Yeah. You can walk in there and him be waiting for you with Literally, the gun. Or it's like, yeah. You don't know what's happening, dude. No. Like, this is trespassing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. But Arbogast closes the door behind him and hat in hand ascends the staircase. Step by step, he continues, but we slowly see a door open on the second floor. In an overhead shot, violins screech as a figure in a dress charges toward Arbogast with a knife. The knife slashes Arbogast across the face, blood pouring as he stumbles clumsily and dramatically down the stairs, stumbling to the floor. The killer joins him at the bottom, raising the knife and plunging it into him as he screams. That's what you get. I mean, I, I'm yeah. I'm not saying that what is done was right, right. but I am saying don't be walking into somebody's house. What he fucking looked in the safe? Yeah, I don't know. What he if there is? What if the forty grand is in yeah. there? Well, no, that's I know, probably, but yeah. I mean that's still his own personal safe. What are you doing, dude? Oh yeah, that's true. Why are you going? <laughs> He's out of pocket. Why, why are you looking yeah. at other people's shit? Yeah. I mean, you're not a cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I do the. This was the shot I was talking about, the raising of the knife, which is like super slashery. Yeah. I do want to correct something I said earlier because I don't want to make it seem like Alfred Hitchcock never did thrillers or anything. Right, right. Because he did a lot of romance, some comedy, mm-hmm. thrillers. But I feel like this is the first horror horror. Yeah. Right. That's and what she said. So this, okay. So this, sure. is, this is kind of like their, uh, like you said, this was the first horror he did that was really classified as yeah. horror. So they weren't, this wasn't like uh we know this is going to stick. It was just like, let's try to make a good movie. Right. He And everybody else was like, we're going to just kind of take from that. Well, yeah. I mean, especially the slasher genre. Yeah. He, um, 
kind of was inspired by other things obviously the material of the book uh-huh. but there were some other films that came before i think diabolique they said kind of had an influence on this film yeah but as far as like slasher films are concerned right, right. i think this is like the blueprint right and so it's like what we know of slashers a lot of it was born here but a lot mm. of it was born in halloween right, right you know like stuff came later black christmas yeah. kind of refined it i think that's why they call this a proto slasher yeah because it's like right, a prototype right right, right. But um, I don't know why, but his scream, I don't know, made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, if I got stabbed like that, I'd probably scream yeah, too. Him falling down the stairs yeah, that so funny. I liked it. <laughs> no, I did. It was very cartoony, though. There was uh-huh. no... He's like, like him stepping. Yeah, he was just falling. I was like, I was like is he gliding his, down the yeah, stairs? His face did not match no, the, not what was all. happening. <laughs> but I think they said that they shot it with a rig and kind of pipe not piped in it's not a cake (laughs) (laughs) but they popped in a shot of the background to keep it it almost feels surreal yeah okay and i think maybe that is why it kind of works for me because i would imagine whatever is happening he's like what the Uh, fuck yeah, yeah and then he is no more yeah but back at the hardware store, Lila makes it known that they've been waiting for Arbogast for three hours, but Sam insists that they wait a little longer. Lila disagrees, saying they need to head up there. But Sam's like, what? Bust in on Arbogast and that old lady and really shake her up? I'm like, you need to yeah. <laughs> calm yeah. down. And yeah, what if we shake up an old lady? Yeah. We're trying to find my sister. Yeah. yeah. And Lila kind of takes on that attitude. She's like, he said an hour or less. Yeah. And it's been three. So reluctantly, Sam throws on his jacket, telling Lila to stay here just in case Arbogast really is on his way, so he'll just go check it out until then. Back near the motel, we watch as Norman overlooks the swamp, seemingly having sunk Arbogast's car along yeah. with his body. Yeah, he's lucky that swamp stays hungry. Yeah. He's just like, another car? Like, <laughs> like more, please. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why I thought it was tar, because uh-huh. I was like, fuck, he's just throwing shit in there, and it's just keep, it keeps going. What a convenient little thing for a <laughs> yeah. murderer to have nearby. I know a place. Yeah. <laughs> But what he doesn't know yet is that Sam has arrived at the motel, his truck parked in front of the office. He calls out for Arbogast loudly, which Norman does hear all the way at the swamp. Sam then returns to Lila at the hardware store, neither of them having found or heard from Arbogast, Sam saying that he even tried the house, but the sick old woman wouldn't answer the door. Agreeing that Arbogast would have called before moving on, since he called before just to tell them he felt dissatisfied, the pair decides to meet with Al Chambers, the deputy sheriff. We cut to the chamber's home where Al, played by John McIntyre, throws on a robe. He heads downstairs where Mrs. Chamber, played by Lorene Tuttle, has already let Sam and Lila inside. They start from the beginning. Lila is here from Phoenix looking for her sister. A PI got involved and traced Marion to the Bates Motel and called them to say that he planned to question Mrs. Bates. Mrs. Chambers is elated, asking, Norman took a wife? Sam says no, an older woman. The chambers share an uncomfortable look as Sam says that they haven't seen or heard from Arbogast since. Al catches on immediately, saying that Marion isn't missing as much as she ran away. Lila admits that she did steal some money and the police haven't been involved because they hoped that they could convince Marion to just give the money back, which then explains Arbogast's involvement. Al asks what Arbogast said on the phone, but Lila says that doesn't matter. What matters is he said he'd be here and he is not. She says something is wrong. And Al agrees that there is something wrong, but he thinks what's wrong is Abigail's got a hot lead and left on his own to investigate it without their involvement. Lila disagrees, and Mrs. Chambers says that Al should just call Norman to sort things out completely. 
it's really sad to me that they weren't even going to press charges. They were yeah. just going to try to give her the money. No. Try to get her to give the money back, which is what she was going to do anyway. Yeah. But for me, her having all that money and nobody seeing her after the motel makes it more suspicious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he's making all this these assumptions about Arbogast without mm-hmm. ever having even met him it's just really weird. Like, he probably found the money. Yeah, like, yeah it's like Sonny <laughs> Alcapoco right now. <laughs> like, what the fuck? But Al remarks that Norman is out there living like a hermit and that they must remember the bad business that happened out there 10 years ago. Lila's like, I'm not from here. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. In the novel, it was 20 years ago, which I think made a little more sense for Sam not knowing about it. Yeah. yeah. But 10 years. All right. But instead of following up, Lila just implores them to call the Bates Motel, which they finally do. Al takes the phone and gets a hold of Norman. He asks if Arbogast stopped by, and Norman says that he did and left without incident. He gets off the phone, and Lila asks whether or not Arbogast came back to question Norman's mother. Al sets things straight. Arbogast told them that, and he didn't come back because he was going to the motel to interview Norman's mother, right? Lila says that's correct. This is when Al drops the bomb. Norman Bates's mother has been dead and buried for 10 years. It's the only case of murder-suicide in Fairvale's history. She poisoned her lover when she found out he was married, then had a helping of the poison herself. Miss Chambers says Norman found them together dead in bed. Not in bed. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah I was like, damn. Like, <laughs> you have yeah. to say all that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you mind if I go to the sock hop? Oh, no! <laughs> But then she's not letting him go to the sock hop. No. <laughs> He's not going. But Sam asks about the silhouette he saw in the window. Al's like, hold on. Lila says Arbogast even saw it. Several witnesses saw the same silhouette in the window. Al says that if that's Norman Bates's mother in the house, then who is buried in Greenlawn Cemetery? It's weird to me because Arbogast and Sam both identified the silhouette as mm-hmm. an old woman. I don't know how a silhouette yeah, can be old. They- I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, like, they're, and they're so damn sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, her back is shaped like a C. Yeah. <laughs> She's old, all right? Yeah. I read on IMDb that where the window is, uh-huh. when they show shots of inside the house, there's furniture in front of that window. So there could never have been a silhouette coming through that um, window. Well, Norman is half furniture, so that is his mother. <laughs> <laughs> so jot that down. Yeah. That's Mrs. Bates to you. But we then transition back to the Bates Motel, where Norman sets the phone down and heads back up to the house. <laughs> I don't know why, for some reason, I thought Chambers and Sam and Lila were going to go to the graveyard next and yeah. dig up the grave. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's the, how way, kind of, yeah. the way that he said it. Then who's in the grave? Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, get, guess, get your coat on. Yeah. <laughs> get your shovels. But that never happens. But once inside the house, Norman walks up the stairs, going into his mother's room. He tells her nervously that he's going to bring something up to her. But then she just laughs at him, saying when he gives orders, he looks ludicrous. He begs her to listen to him, but she says that she refuses to hide in the fruit cellar. Yeah. I was like, that's very specific. (laughs) But the camera rises above the staircase, settling outside the door. She says this is her room and no one will drag her out. The camera rises a little more, resting on the angle where Arbogast first met the knife. Norman tells her that more people will be here soon. Arbogast already came after Marion, and now someone will come looking for him, too. He says it's just for a few days so nobody will find her. But mother doesn't budge, saying that he hit her in there once and never again, and then kicks him out of the room. Instead of leaving, he says he'll just carry her. And against her protest, we watch as he carries her out of the room and down the stairs. Norman's got a little more like um, 
for lack of a better term, bass in his voice with mm. his mother in the <laughs> in the book. Yeah. And with Marion, because when she like is trying to help him out, mm-hmm. he's like, No, you listen here. Like he fucking it's, yeah. goes really? it's he, he chews her ass up. But and then with his mom, he's like, Well, if it wasn't for me, you'd be in the sanitarium. Like he yeah, fucking he, goes yeah. all Jeez. yeah. But and, uh, I think for me, this fits way better. It really yeah, does. I mean, this, don't this get me wrong. His mom gives it right back. Right. But yeah, she's like, oh, I'm not going to take shit yeah. from, <laughs> from you, boy. But he's just um, I feel like this like meeker. Yeah, I might get a little bit, you know, but I'm going to bring it right back. And I'm sorry. Like, I, I just feel like this fits more. It fits better to me. Because in the book, it's like, God, yeah. like yeah. he's fucking going off. And still from Norman's perspective. This is all coming from a place of care. Right. Yeah, of course. He's trying to protect her. Yeah, I was like, damn, his mom's a bitch. <laughs> no, she is. <laughs> no, she sucks. Although I would hate to be in a fruit cellar for a few days. Yeah. Well, then don't be killing it's people. Like, Please bring me a sandwich and milk. <laughs> I will build it myself. <laughs> but the next morning at Fairville Church. Yeah, really don't kill people. That's kind yeah. of the, I mean, yeah, that's one. a very tame punishment for yeah, murdering two yeah. people in the span of like two days. She's been yeah. busy. Yeah, you can sit in the fruit cellar and think about what you did for a little bit. <laughs> She's grounded. <laughs> She's undergrounded. <laughs> but the next morning at Fairville Church, Sam and Lila meet the Chambers, saying that they figured they'd join them in going to the Bates Motel. As it turns out, Al already went there this morning before service and found nothing. He says Norman simply repeated everything he told Arbogast, and even more, he is alone out there. Sam must have seen an illusion. Lila still feels that something more is going on, but Al just apologizes, saying he's sorry that he couldn't set their minds at ease. He says the quicker they involve the law, the quicker they'll find Marion. But Lila is unconvinced. Mrs. Chambers invites them over for a meal. It is Sunday, after all. And I think they accept. I don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, why not? But after the Chambers leave, Sam asks if Lila just wants him to drop her off at her hotel, but she says that she won't be satisfied until she sees the Bates Motel for herself. Sam agrees and they head out. This is the kind of caper I'd be down for. Yeah. But like also if Sam was coming too, and yeah. maybe if Sam also had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> we got conditions. But in the car on the way there, they talk strategy. Lila says they'll register as husband and wife, get a room and then search every inch of the place. They arrive at the motel, Norman peering down from the house. He eventually comes down to greet them. Sam lies, saying that they thought they could make it to San Francisco, but they don't like the look of the sky and would like a room. When he says the sky looks a little weird or whatever, Norman's like, okay. He's like, just pay for the room. He's like, I've never had to work this much in years. But Norman takes them into the office and offers them room number 10. Sam insists they sign in, which Norman says is not necessary. Sam says his boss is paying for the trip, so he needs to sign in and get a receipt. Norman makes with the book and Sam signs in as Lila takes in all her surroundings. Norman then asks for their bags and Sam says that they don't have any. He also finds it peculiar that they don't have to pay in advance since they don't have bags. Was this customary in the 60s? Yeah, I, I, I mean, was like, he, that's He makes what? it sound like it. My thing is... I would have played it super cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like we were just a normal couple looking for a room. He's like, what about signing in? Why don't, uh, yeah, don't I have to yeah. fucking pay? It's like, <laughs> dude, now he's on his guard. He's like, you did it, you piece yeah. of shit. <laughs> if like, you would have just played it cool, maybe, I mean, as dead as they are, he probably would have still been suspicious, but they don't yeah. know that. No. He would have signed you in and gone back up to the house and you could have done whatever you wanted. Now he's like, they're on to me. Uh-huh. Like, why would you play yeah, it like this? They're obviously, 
they're like super, they're super yes! suspicious. Yeah, they've got some motives. Yeah. Nobody in this film has a poker face. No, not one not person. At all. Arbogast, barely. Barely. Yeah. I like that they changed it from the novel because whenever Norman sees Lila, mm -hmm. he thinks it's Marion. Yeah. And he's like, oh shit, it's the yeah. woman that mother killed. <laughs> and he's like, oh wait, no, that's not right. Oh, well, maybe it's her sister or yeah. something. And then he immediately knows. Yeah. Well, in the, no or in the book, I don't think it's, I don't think you can call it a novel. It's, it's really like a hundred pages. But in the yeah. book, when she goes to meet Sam, uh -huh. he's like, Mary? Oh, you're not Mary. Like, it's like, like okay, they look alike. Like, <laughs> yeah, we got it. <laughs> But Norman smiles and charges them $10 for the room, which Sam pays, and Norman has to be reminded to give them the receipt. Lila takes the key and says she'll go on ahead. Lila, on her own, discovers that cabin one is unlocked, and as Norman heads out to show them their room, Sam says, don't bother, because they'll find it. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. why are you, you, <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> But Norman watches suspiciously as they head to cabin 10 and go inside. Lila says they need to investigate cabin number one, no matter what they're afraid to find. She posits that Norman somehow got the money away from Marion, possibly to build another motel that isn't useless. I mean, that's a leap. Yeah, <laughs> it's no kind of a reach. Shit. That's very mean, too. She's like, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> this place sucks. No, I think we can all agree. Damn. But she says that she's certain that something happened because in their last conversation, she could tell Arbogast was feeling some kind of sympathy for them, and he wouldn't just bail without telling them unless he was stopped somehow. Sam says they'll start with cabin number one, and if Norman sees them, they'll just say they're getting some fresh air. They head out and cautiously make their way to the room. Sam even calls out for Norman in the office, and after getting no response, they head inside the room. They search it top to bottom, but find nothing until they get into the bathroom. Sam finds it odd that the room doesn't have a shower curtain, but even more peculiar to Lila is she finds pieces of the paper that Marion was doing math on. She even finds that it was a figure subtracted from $40,000. Norman. Like, this is just sloppy. <laughs> well, I, I did appreciate that it was that instead of the blood uh-huh like them being like look there's a little speck of blood on the toilet or that could be yeah. anything. that's what i was expecting it to be honestly. i i did too and then when she was like the paper it was done and it wasn't something like you like you could have just missed it uh -huh. oh she flushed down the toilet oh well but she didn't because she tore it up uh-huh so a piece did fall out and it's still there so i did appreciate that instead of the look right here this tiny <laughs> this speck. tile isn't yeah clean <laughs> properly in the, yeah in the book they found her earring mm -hmm. one one uh, of her earrings i like the paper better yeah i think so <laughs> i just have so many problems with their technique yeah like they just went in their room 30 seconds ago norman is clearly still in the office yeah dude i would have waited until nighttime yeah and knowing that he's still in the office one of y'all should be in there talking to him as a distraction y'all both don't break no. into a room and search it no 100 percent. they're just disappointing there's no diversion <laughs> there's no. no anything but lila says that this proves that marion was here and sam reminds her that norman never denied that he never said yeah <laughs> like but lila says at the very least it proves norman knew about the money she says she thinks that the old woman told arbogast something and wants to tell her the same thing so the plan is for Sam to find Norman, keep him distracted. There you go. And during this time, Lila will sneak into the house and talk to Norman's mother. Before they leave the room, he tells her that if she finds out anything, don't stop to tell him. Just head back to town, and I'm assuming, tell the sheriff. Yeah. As Sam tries to sneak by, Norman, obviously still standing in the office, yeah. <laughs> just calls out to him. 
Sam goes into close talker territory as the two exchange pleasantries about the cabin. Sam says Lila is taking a nap, so he thought he'd come over and talk. They head inside the office, and Sam gives Lila the go-ahead to sneak into the house. She makes her way over from behind the cabins, reaching the porch and letting herself inside. Norman does not believe in locking doors. No. no. None of these doors are locked. He's like, we never get busy. <laughs> I don't know what part. None of them I are locked. I thought that too. I was yeah. like, God damn, dude. But back at the office, Sam and Norman continue their chat. He says that if he was alone here like Norman, it would drive him crazy. Norman says that that's rather extreme. And Sam says that what he meant was he'd do just about anything to get away. Wouldn't, wouldn't you, Norman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Norman says he wouldn't. But back at the house, Lila has made it up to the second floor without being murdered and knocks on Mrs. Bates's door. When she doesn't get an answer, she heads inside. The room is pristine and kind of extravagantly decorated. That room's got a bunch of shit in there. There's a yeah. sink by the bed. And yeah. All. Like, like, you need that? Well, why not? I, I, mean, yeah. I guess. Shit. <laughs> I don't know. But she opens a closet filled with dresses and finds herself focused on a brass sculpture of hands for some reason. They're on the nightstand. We get a really close-up shot of yeah. his hands. Yeah. Or maybe they're Norman's hands. Like the little kid thing they used to do. Oh, maybe oh. they used to do. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we ran out of brass. We don't have brass for that shit. But after accidentally scaring the shit out of herself with a mirror, she notices a deep indentation on one side of the bed. Someone was laying in that bed <laughs> hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they crashed. How'd they like... get out? <laughs> <laughs> but... Back at the office, Sam continues to grill Norman, saying that if he saw the chance, he'd unload this place. Norman says this place is his whole world. He had a happy childhood and even grew up in the house on the hill. At the house, Lila continues investigating, eventually checking out another room filled with old dolls, a very small cot, and a record player. We get a shot of the record, and it's Beethoven, and it says Eroica. I don't know why we saw that. I don't either. I thought it said erotica. So did I. <laughs> and I was like, is this, what is yeah. this? Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's not what it says. Mm -mm. But Lila then opens an unmarked book and checks it out. This is supposed to imply, I guess, in the 60s, if a book was unmarked, right. it was often pornographic. Ah. Oh, okay. I thought it was like uh, in Black Christmas when she had her booze in it. Oh, that would be cool. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another thing is that in the novel, Norman is an alcoholic. Oh, bad. See, I don't think that would have fit. Yeah. No. Here. Keeping him childlike yeah. is very smart. Drinking milk like Billy from yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night. But back in the office, Norman is nervous as fuck as Sam continues the interrogation. He asks Norman how he's going to open a hotel in a new town where he doesn't have to hide his mother. Norman tells him to get in his car and leave. <laughs> so I've had enough of that. At least dude's doing a good job of keeping him busy. Yes, and he is. Yeah, he's grilling him like a like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> but Sam asks where he has the money stashed away, and Norman tells him to shut up and heads into the parlor with Sam close behind. He says he's sure Norman's mother knows where the money is and what he did to get it. Then it hits Norman. Where's that girl you came here with? <laughs> He's like, she's not napping his shit. Yeah. God damn it. But a struggle ensues and Norman clocks Sam over the head with a vase and runs out of the office up to the house. I was real disappointed in Sam. He yeah. put up zero fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, that struggle was bad. Yeah, it was real bad. He just left his head wide open. <laughs> <laughs> but through the window of the front door, Lila sees Norman coming and rushes to hide underneath the staircase. As Norman runs upstairs, Lila notices the door to the fruit cellar and makes her way inside. 
She finds an adjacent room where a woman sits in a chair with her back to the door. She asks, Mrs. Bates? Turning the chair around to reveal the mummified skeleton of Norman's mother. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's, dude, it looks frightening for the time. It does. Oh, no, yeah. I read on IMDb the way they shot it, because they said when you look at it, you see that it's a four-leg chair. Uh-huh. But then when they do the close-up, it spins around. Yeah. But they said they had somebody under the chair spinning the chair to the camera. Oh, well, man. I mean, it worked. Yeah. No, it looks good. Yeah. It does. Um, I read that he put the corpse in Janet Lee's dressing room. <laughs> To see if it was actually scary. It's scary. And when, yeah, yeah. And when she screamed, he was like, uh-huh. <laughs> He's like an asshole. But he did so much to throw people off. Right. He had even the um, other actors in the crew. Uh-huh. He had a chair made that said Mrs. Bates on the back of it. Uh-huh. He was like telling publications that he wanted this actress or that actress. He was going to approach them to play yeah. Mrs. Bates. Like he yeah. was really doing the work yeah. to, for people to think that yeah. she was a character in this. All right. I already put out casting announcements. Yeah. Like Get what he was looking for. It's just, uh, yeah. he really went that extra mile so just that nobody yeah. would see this coming. He's like, what I'm looking for is a corpse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a dead skeleton, perhaps. But Lila pulls her arm back, knocking a hanging light bulb and letting out a horrified scream. To the sound of screeching violins, Norman rushes to the doorframe, clad in one of his mother's dresses, a wig, and brandishing a knife. Before he can advance on Lila, Sam comes to her rescue and disarms Norman, pulling him to the ground. And we also see the dress open and the wig fall off yeah. to prove that it is Norman Bates. I, yeah. I was confused. He just like screamed and slowly went down. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> one thing that made me laugh is that I had to read on, they did like a commentary track. I think it was a Hitchcock historian. Yeah. And I read on there, he said that what Norman screams is, <laughs> I am Norma Bates. Oh, <laughs> no. And, <laughs> oh, no. And so he, he's his mother. Yeah. <laughs> right. Got it. Yeah. Got it. But, um, um, and it's funny that her name is Norma. Yeah. yeah. I liked that. Uh, you think he's going upstairs? I, he went upstairs to yeah, change. That, like, oh, that's, yeah. I like that. Also, we love a swinging light. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really, really liked that. Um, but this is when the Ed Gein influence, mm-hmm. um, but just the relationship of him and his mother and him, even though she's awful, right? loving her so much that he like in his mind is her. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all, it all comes back to that. I yeah. mean, I know we already talked about him on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre right, right. as well, but like that just shows how really that's that case is so fucked up and sad. <laughs> right. No, it is. That I, this I, all stems from it. Yeah. I didn't mean to start laughing. I was just thinking how many horror films does <laughs> deserve to give Ed Gein a story by credit. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> goddamn, it's a lot. It is. I also wanted to point out that they were originally going to have no music at this part. Right. They were also going to have no music in the shower. The shower, scene. yeah. Really? Yeah. And then Bernard Herman's like, "Hold on." Yeah. And because you kind of need it. Yeah, and it sells both moments. Yeah. It sets it off. You know what? Huh. <laughs> I don't know how many people, I don't know if this is a popular game or not, but Police Quest. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, Police Quest, I think, four. The ending is almost exactly this. It is just like just now coming to my, yeah. Well, I DM mean, me if y'all play Police <laughs> Quest. <laughs> Sunny Bonds. Sunny Bonds. 
But I'm sure the audience at the time was so confused and just their head exploded. (laughs) I I can't even imagine. (laughs) Like, it's honestly funny to me trying to think about how they would react to this. 1960, (laughs) yeah. So much so that they included this scene coming up next, I feel, to kind of not spoon feed right but to kind of make it make sense for that audience right right and also kind of spoon and also yeah. spoon I, I don't like this yeah. scene hitchcock hitchcock didn't like it either i and but it's in the book too so i mean yeah. i can't even be like because robert block's like they're not gonna yeah. Yeah. believe this shit <laughs> i barely understand what i've done <laughs> <laughs> i didn't mind this too much no no because it uh i mean we obviously kind of already knew what was going on you know yeah. what i mean but I feel like it's not completely necessary, uh-huh. but I don't feel like it hurt anything to have this there. I think I don't count it like I don't ding the film for right, it. Right. I don't either. It's just it feels like spoon feeding to me. That's all. I mean, all. it is. But yeah. I mean, yeah. But later reporters gather outside the courthouse where in the office of the police chief sit Sam, Lila and Al, among others. Al says the psychiatrist currently talking to Norman will be able to explain everything. Almost on cue, Dr. Richmond, played by Simon Oakland, walks in. He says he got the whole story, but not from Norman, from his mother. Norman Bates no longer exists. He only half existed to begin with. Now, the other half has taken over, probably forever. I love the notion that it all came crashing down and Norman was like, gotta go. (laughs) We out this bitch, yeah. (laughs) Lila asked if Norman killed Marion, and Richmond says yes. And no. One of the guys is like, now see here, if you're trying to... (laughs) He's like, dude, no, I'm just telling you what happened. But he confirms that Marion is dead, as is Arbogast. He also hints at a couple of unsolved cases of missing girls, and in line with Mother's confession, says they really should drag the swamp. But he says to explain it all, you have to go back 10 years, when an already dangerously disturbed Norman Bates murdered his mother and her lover. I was like, damn, that was Norman yeah. too. Yeah, I was like, God oh, damn. I thought it would have made sense. Okay, as far as dissociative identity disorder is mm-hmm. concerned, there usually is a source of trauma that causes it to happen. Right. And so I thought him simply finding his mother dead would have been it. Yeah. I didn't right. feel like he was going to also having murked both of yeah. them. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the a boy is a sad replacement for a lover. Right. So I was like, God damn, boy, that hurt him that much. Oh, yeah. And it's very sad. Yeah. It's incredibly sad. But like moms need to get it in too, Norman. Get it in. <laughs> God damn. He didn't know that. <laughs> God. But before then, Norman and his mother lived together as if there was no one else in the world. But then she met a man and Norman felt cast aside. So he killed them both. He says matricide is an unbearable crime, even worse for the son who commits it. So he had to erase that crime in his own mind. His way of doing so was to steal her corpse, hide it in the fruit cellar, and eventually when that wasn't enough, he began to think and speak for her. At times, he could be both personalities, and at other times, mother took over completely. He was never all Norman, but sometimes he was only mother. And this is where in the book the alcoholism comes into play Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. when mother would take over, he would be drinking and he would just black out. Ah, okay. But those blackouts were him, you know... Becoming. Becoming mother and fucking shit up. All right. But through his jealousy of her, he assumed that she was jealous of him. So if he ever felt any kind of attraction to a woman, mother's jealousy would come out. This is what happened with Marion, which set off mother and made her kill her. 
Then when Norman awoke, he covered up mother's crimes like a good son would. Sam asked why he was dressed the way he was. One of the cop throws out, at the time it was the term they used, now it's very outdated. Very, yeah. Right. But it's a term to refer to Norman as a cross-dresser, and Richmond disagrees. Norman dressed that way because it allowed the illusion of his mother being alive to continue. When that illusion was threatened, he became her. He tried to be her, and now he is. Richmond says that when the mind inhabits two personalities, there's always a battle, and now the battle is over. The dominant personality is one. So that's complete bullshit, just for the record. Right. Um, I feel like this is typical for like movies and TV shows and stuff. Right. They do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, just fight him, Bobby, or whatever. <laughs> it's like, what? You think we're like in a fist fight it's in my like, head? Da-da, yeah. Da-da. Right. But did an identity show us anything? Well, I mean, well, I want to cover identity like tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Identity's great. Let's not go too far. I think it's with on that. Netflix now. So, so fucking just good. Saying. But I do want to point out because there are certain things that can trigger alter mm-hmm. personalities to come out right but oftentimes they don't even really know that the other personalities exist yeah and if they do they don't know that they're in the same host and so if they thought you know of killing another alter mm-hmm. what they would do is they would tragically commit suicide yeah. right and so it wouldn't be like one personality duking it out yeah this is all from my project by the way <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the forty thousand dollars goes it went to the swamp so that's that's that yeah. such a fucking shame he says these were crimes of passion not profit and so as i said earlier hitchcock called this scene the hat grabber because he thought people would leave the theater yeah i was like calm down the yeah. Hat grabber. <laughs> yeah i was like you need to chill <laughs> and we've lost them <laughs> <laughs> but another cop heads in asking if he can bring norman a blanket because he feels a chill After getting permission, we follow him down the hall where he brings a blanket inside. From the hall, we hear Mother say, thank you. Inside the room, we see Norman draped in a blanket. As the camera presses in, Mother speaks in a voiceover. She says it's sad when a mother has to speak the words that condemn her own son, but she couldn't have them thinking she was a murderer. They'll put Norman away now, as she should have years ago. Norman was always bad, and in the end, he tried to pin it on her. She couldn't do anything but sit and stare like one of his stuffed birds. She says she'll just sit and be quiet, just in case they do suspect her. She assumes they're watching her now and invites them to. A fly buzzes around, landing on Norman's hand. Mother says that she won't even swat it, and they'll see and say why she wouldn't even harm a fly. Norman raises his head and looks directly at the camera with a sly smile. In a transition, we see his mother's skeletal face over his. I love this a lot, like so much. Yes. Yeah, because it's barely there. It's just yeah. enough. It's not you too much. It. Yeah, it's not too much towards like, oh shit. Yeah. But it's enough to like, oh, what the fuck was that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Kind of trick you to think that it wasn't, but it is there. I like. I remember rewatching it for the first time since I was a kid back mm-hmm. like a few years ago. And I had to go back because I was like, did I just see a fucking... Yeah. Like, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I did hear, like, Hitchcock was like, I think I've gotten too far. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, maybe it's a bit much, but I think it's perfect. No, it looks good. The fact that Hitchcock would ever think that of himself is surprising. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. He seems to have no, like, self-awareness. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. But we're then taken to the swamp where we see Marion's car being pulled from the sludge. We get on-screen text reading, The End. So before I ask the customary question, I just want to say that the fan theory I talked about at the beginning, some people posit that maybe after all this madness, 
Sam Loomis wanted to help prevent this from happening to anyone ever again. Uh-huh. So a lot of online theories say that maybe he went to Haddonfield, Illinois, became a psychiatrist, and he became Dr. Samuel Loomis. Yeah, but isn't Dr. Loomis shorter than this guy? I don't know. We're about not. Yeah. I like it. It's a very neat theory. <laughs> is his name Sam? Yeah. Yeah. No, Dr. He has the, Loomis? Yeah. yeah. He has oh, the exact same name. So it's right. just a cool little fan theory that goes around on the internet. Right. He was like, I don't ever want to be found. I'm going to shrink myself. I'm yeah. Gonna yeah he I'm doesn't gonna shave have the my same head. eye color. He doesn't. Um, <laughs> well, it was black and white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he fucking has skin tone now. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> they had right. Bosco in his Six eyes. Times, yes, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to ask the customary question: What did you guys think of Psycho? I had a lot of fun talking about this movie and kind of discussing it and everything. And like I said, I I won't lie; it's it's not my taste. Uh, I do see kind of discussing it and you know talking to y'all about it where like how you're saying this is the original and then everybody just kind of, I don't want to say made it better, but they (laughs) used it in their own way to make it better for them and their projects. Right. Um, this was a fun movie to discuss and I, I did, uh, it was, it, it was a little, like I said, it was a little tame for me. Hmm. So I think that was kind of the only thing that, that really, really hurt it for me. Cause I'm, I, 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 I say it a lot. I'm used to the slashers. <laughs> of slashers. Today. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is kind of a like a damn, you know what I mean? Can we see a little blood or can we just see the neck get sliced or <laughs> you know, lose an arm or something? You know what <laughs> I mean? But um, but I get it. You know what I mean? I know this was like you said, this was a prototype, you know, they didn't know what was going on. Um, but I did have a lot of fun talking about this movie and I uh did enjoy myself today. Well, I'm glad. Well, good. <laughs> I really love this movie. I think it's um, pretty much perfect, honestly. I did read that Walt Disney uh, hated it and wouldn't let what? Alfred Hitchcock. He wanted to film something at one of the parks or something, uh-huh. and he like banned him because he said this movie was disgusting. You know, it's disgusting, okay. Walt Disney. It's yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, anti-Semitism, yeah. sir. That's disgusting. Um, that's very disgusting. Um I also read, though, it kind of made me sad that, well, first I thought it was funny. Janet Lee said she realized, I mean, it's not funny, but she realized how vulnerable women are in the shower and mm. only took baths after she filmed this. Uh, <laughs> she surprised. never showered again. Uh, but Tony Curtis said that this film made Janet Lee start drinking and it led to their divorce. God damn. Which I was like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. This is one person's account of a relationship. but. Uh-huh. If there's any truth to that, I thought that was very sad. Yeah, that is very sad. But um, that has nothing to do with the film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> JP's like, I had a lot of fun. You're like, so divorced. Yeah. <laughs> I it's it's fantastic. It's great. The performances are great. It's genuinely scary at times. Even the only drawback is knowing the twist. I just wish yeah. I could watch it again, not knowing the twist. I honestly envy anyone that hasn't yeah. seen it yeah. and doesn't know through pop culture. Yeah, It sucks because I had uh, your sister. I had one I told her I'd never seen the movie. Uh-huh. She was like, so do you know the ending? And I told her the ending. She goes, I can neither, I can neither confirm or deny. <laughs> and I was like, that's what it is. And I'd never seen the movie. Yeah, But it's everywhere. It it's is. I don't know. Really, maybe, yeah. maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. It's <laughs> really hard to not know what's happening yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. You're in the mafia, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. 
it just proves how influential it is. Right. For sure. And how, I mean, even if it's just like little shots here and there mm-hmm. or mu- man, music cues. Yeah. Oh yeah. So many people yeah. use this score. Uh-huh. It's probably the most imitated. Right. Like ever. But no, I, I, for me, this is one of the greatest horror films ever made. I think it's honestly amazing. I genuinely think that without this film, so many other films wouldn't exist. And it's just so incredible that, to me anyway, right. that a film that's like 61 years old can still have these moments that still hit. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about the name Marion Chambers. Oh, shit. In Halloween, yeah. Yeah, that's another Marian one. Marion Crane and Sheriff Chambers. Yeah. And then he... I, I love okay. that he like played with those but he was like nah his name's gonna be sam lewis, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. sam lewis. lewis. that's great <laughs> <laughs> but i guess that can lead us into ratings i mean for me it's honestly no shock i have a lot more positives than i do have negatives for me the writing the suspense the direction cinematography the story and also perfecting an adaptation because they changed a lot yeah they for kept, the better yeah, yeah. They changed a lot for the better. They did keep a lot there, mm-hmm. but I feel like every change they made was right. right. Yeah. I think that it's still very unsettling thanks to the music and the editing. Yeah. I think those things together really just allow this film to shine. But I, I just think this film is amazing. The only negative I have is the psychological explanation at the end. Mm-hmm. But it was 1960. Right. Yeah. You know, so you got to kind of understand that they're trying to appeal to this audience yeah. that has no idea what yeah, they just saw. are like, what the fuck's a psychology? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Psychiatrist? Like, <laughs> S-I what? Spell that, yeah. please. So confused. But no, I think that for me, this is my favorite Hitchcock film. One of my favorite horror films of all time. I can't praise it enough. I'm just glad that it exists. It's one of those again. Yeah. <laughs> but it comes as no shock. That out of 10 screeching violins, I'm going to give Psycho 10 screeching violins out of 10. For me, I just think that it is very, very close to perfect. And anything that is an imperfection is not enough for me to detract from it at all. It's it's just amazing. But I will now open the floor to you. So here's where I make a sandwich. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and go because uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be the lowest number here. Uh-huh. Like I said, and I was, I talked to your sister about it. I think I just don't care for Hitchcock. Like, I don't know what it is. I think it's just, I, cause like I said, the birds was fine, but it was because of the comedy. Right. You know what I mean? And she did tell me, she goes, I think you're really going to like this. I really so did. I was, what a fool. I was really, I, no, you're not a fool. You, I was really hyped too. I was like, all right, cool. Hell yeah. And I watched it and I was like, this is not, I was like, I just, but again, I think it's me being spoiled to now slashers Uh and it's it's too it's too slow for me it's too i don't like and i think like what you say you didn't care really too much for the ending i'm glad they put that in there Uh because if you don't know what's going on here they're gonna tell you yeah so now you're not just watching a movie and like what the fuck was that yeah you know what i mean yeah it probably didn't need to be in there if you're paying attention but if you're not and you're just like what's happening here that's what that's for. I uh, think honestly, the difficulty is without that explanation, it's a lot more difficult to lead into that scene with Norman alone. Right. And that scene's amazing. Yeah. So you're like, it, it, it's the it, vehicle yeah, for it. Kinda. And also it does explain about his mom and the yeah. boyfriend because we don't get that insight. In oh the film. yeah, that is true. All right. I changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> 
but I do see, and I uh, and you explaining it, and your sister, uh, I do see like all the things that he tried or he put in here, and other people were like, okay, I like that, I'm going to use it. Yeah. Um, I know I've said it before. This has no nostalgia factor for me, so I mm-hmm. can't even factor that in. Uh, I just, I don't know, man. The movie was good, and I had a lot of fun talking about it, but. I, it just didn't do. I pro unless your sister wants to watch this, I can guarantee you I'll never watch this movie again. That is surprising. No, but that's a step up because sometimes he's like, if she wants to watch it again, she can watch it by herself. Oh, that's yeah. true. <laughs> so at least he would watch it. <laughs> yeah, again. if, if your fair. sister wants to watch it, I'll watch it again. But me on my own, I can tell you a hundred percent right now, I'll never touch this movie again. It's not, and it's nothing against the movie or mm-hmm. you know, it's just. I, it just doesn't do it for me. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't kick those. Uh, what is the uh, what? What is the the dopamine for oh, me yeah. in the brain? <laughs> like Freddie, when you know what I mean, yeah. or even fucking when you see Michael Myers cutting somebody up because they didn't get out of his way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, there you go, stab him again, Mike. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just did. I don't get that with these older movies Mm -hmm. and i can't even say and the only reason i'm saying it's hitchcock because i thought i wasn't gonna like dracula and i did oh and i was like this is good and that's way older yeah uh so i don't know maybe we'll get another hitchcock movie that maybe blows my socks off Uh and i'm like oh this is fantastic i was wrong but yeah i think the birds helped me because of the comedy Mm -hmm. i do like this movie but it's very sad because Norman is the victim and it's like, he fuck, is. dude. Yeah. And it, it just, I was like, God damn. So on a scale from one to 10 screeching violins, I'm going to give Psycho a seven. Uh, it's not, like I said, it's not a bad movie and I see, but for me, yeah. I, I, I would rather watch Nightmare on Elm Street again for the 5,767th <laughs> time then watch this for the second time. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful ma- way. I no, mean it's it just like, taste. Yeah, yeah, it's your it taste. Just, it is a good movie. And I see and I thank everything that he did uh-huh. to open up for other people to come and borrow from what he made. But I prefer it the way Wes Craven did it mm-hmm. rather than Hitchcock did it. Well, I mean, it's kind of like we talked about a couple weeks ago, like uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night where I'm not going to add that to my rotation. Right. Like, I'll go watch Black Christmas, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But I hope that you guys watch it every Christmas and enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Well, no, like I <laughs> said, like, it's all about yeah. taste. It's but, all about but what like you like. like your sister said, too, that is that is more instead of me being like, no, she can watch it. <laughs> if she wants to watch it, I'll watch it. I uh-huh. don't have a problem with it. But me, that's not going to be my first, second, third, fourth, tenth pick to watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to choose it. Right. If it's anything like, hey, like I, I mean, you know, yeah. I want to see a slasher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's, but it is a good movie. I won't lie. Like I said, uh, you pointing out all the things and y'all kind of, you know what I mean? Telling me uh, all the stuff with the movie and all that. I, it did enhance this movie for me. Well, that's good. Yeah. But I, I did enjoy us talking about it a lot. This movie is like you said, influential and you can tell from watching it and seeing, oh shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's where that came from. Like you said with dude at the phone booth, that was the original, I'll be back, and he never did. (laughs) Yeah, no, I already kind of spoiled it by saying that I think this movie's pretty perfect. Mm. It was always great, like, growing up Mm -hmm. and knowing the story, it was always great, 
I don't think I ever fully let myself feel how fucking sad it is. Mm, oh, yeah. Because it is incredibly sad mm-hmm. and tragic and chilling. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a gift that keeps on giving in that way because it, it kind of unfolds in different facets why it's good. But I think for this time, it just really stuck out that this is like heartbreakingly sad. Right. But yeah, on a scale from one to 10 screeching violence, I also gave Psycho 10 out of 10 screeching violence because Psycho, it, it just is that bitch to me. Like, I mean, it, <laughs> it, what are you, it, Mrs. Bates? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't let that movie around yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all from us at Pod Mortem. What would you rate Psycho and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Pod Mortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Windigo Gitter patrons. And remember, unhappiness can affect anyone, even if they don't show it. It's never a bad idea to check in. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special shout out to all of our Wendigo Gitter patrons. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about showers. Yeah. Or like, what's the <laughs> what's the rub? What is it? All right. Special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Huesden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers, ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Linda, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, JD Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, William Barry, Brittany, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Garrett Rogers, Jordan Roberts, Danielle Peralta, and Dylan. Thank you all so much. Hey, yeah, thank you. You guys are the best. You truly are, and we have to thank you so much because we've noticed over time that you all go a little rad sometimes. That's <laughs> 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 ah. what he said in the... Yeah, yeah but like better. Yeah, not... Yeah. Not what no, he did. No, but I would like a sandwich. <laughs> 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 Until next time. <laughs>